Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. For the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring. We're good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So, uh, really, thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change the thing. Love you all. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. And that was him. The voice of the goat who just a year ago to the date retired. But then he came back miraculously. Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh all here with you. I started this show with some energy. And the look on Jamie's face. Yeah. Just disgust. I'm sad. Listen to my guy there talking about, you know. He's going to start crying. He almost started to cry. And when he teared up, I teared up. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Your tears mixed. Yeah. In some magical elixir. Mm -hmm. Never cross tears. I have no reason to watch football anymore. That's it. I'm done. Here's the thing with this, with Tom Brady. We all know. Is that excessive? uh, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it is. The game will go on, even without the GOAT. And I realize that a lot of people listening right now said, blank Tom Brady, we hate cheater, cheater. Get a lot of those. Welcome to the show, Randy. (laughs) Text him in if you want to. (laughs) Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. But I was surprised by this because the evidence doesn't support the decision. And when I'm talking about the evidence, I'm talking about the fact that he he sacrificed his family, his marriage to go back and play again this year. Generally, and maybe maybe that's not what happened, okay? Maybe this marriage was going nowhere. Maybe they just hated each other from the jump. Didn't seem like it. It seemed like he picked football over his wife. Giselle always said, said, Football is his first love. Like she knew that coming yeah. into it. Now she so believed, shame on her for bringing that up. <laughs> she again, believed you know? <laughs> that that love was going to stop at some point, maybe at forty-five. He said, "Not nah, forty-six. <laughs> and then she's thinking, "Well, forty-seven. 
But him, like, coming back and playing this year and went through a divorce in the middle of the year. I can only imagine, like, the toll that takes on you. Sure does. Uh, some say it's tough uh, to, to go through something like that. You know, <laughs> uh, splitting up fortunes, how uh, that ends up being a, oh, a yeah. bit of an issue. Yeah. Don't get to see your kids. That's the same. Uh, but uh, it's when Tom Brady, like, made this decision, I'm like, why? Like, when I heard the news, I'm like, oh, it must be something about the anniversary of him doing this. But him stepping away now, I really figured maybe it wasn't going to be in Tampa Bay. Maybe with the Brock Purdy situation, he's going to be out six to eight months. He'd uh, uh, dream realize where he'd go back to San Francisco, or maybe he would uh, reunite with McDaniel or even, you know, ownership over there. They just want to spend some money, bring Tom Brady in in Las Vegas. I felt like there were so many landing spots. Yeah. Jamie, I'm surprised by the decision. I mean, I am too, but so here was my breakdown of it. I talked to Marshy when they got into the office, and I said, you know what? As soon as I saw the video and the way he did it, I'm like, this is over. Like, it's real because he, it, to me, the scenario was he's out for a morning walk on the beach, and he's like, what the bleep am I even doing here? Like, what am I doing? Do you think he just walked into the water and never came back out afterwards? Has anybody seen him since this video? Uh, I don't know. Like, this is it. This is my life, and then see ya. Just gone. Just gone into just the gone. water. Just go into the water and just it, see my it's Tom over. Brady walks on the water. <laughs> I can like, see that. You know, it'd be pointless. He'd just walk right across the water. Maybe he's in Europe right now. Could be. Either way, uh, when I saw the video, I was like, okay, this is it. I, he's out for a morning walk. He he just had a realization that he's done, man. He's physically and mentally just exhausted. He sat down, put it on the old selfie video, and said, I, I recorded this, and he pushed send. He's like, oh boy. I just did it. We're really doing it. I just did it. And that's it. It is it. Look, seven-time Super Bowl champ, three-time MVP, leads to the world. Like, you're not going to touch the records that he has. Leads in yards, leads in touchdowns. Even with the league trending the way that it is, Jamie, I don't see – guys aren't playing 23 years in the league anymore. They make blank you money early. They retire earlier. Like, I just don't see anybody living up uh, to what he has done. Now, here is the question, all right, putting you back in in – the athlete's shoes yeah. because I never had the opportunity to retire when I was actually still good at something uh, and go ahead text in you were never good at something fine fine okay you were, <laughs> you were some of the best Brad right play Major League Baseball and yeah you won a World Series. I get it. I was just going to get ahead of the joke before they did. I know. Because you know how they are. Oh, I, oh, I, I know. Mean, you know. Oh, yeah. They're passionate and they're funny, especially on this show. They're snarky and they mm. don't miss a beat. Uh, but he was third in the league in passing yards this year. A 27-year-old Mahomes was ahead of him and a 24-year-old Justin Herbert. That's it. And you know that when a guy's won seven rings, you can taste it. You know you can still do yeah. it. So it will putting yourself back in like the athlete shoes who can still do it. Do you think that there will be a time this offseason where he said, I screwed up again? Of course. I messed up again. Of course. I think it will. And this is what happened last time is I think he decided too quickly. And then once it started to get deeper into the offseason, once it started to come time where the computer ordinarily reboots and starts to think football and break down video and go over things, I think he missed it. And then he's like, oh, bleep, I want to go back and play. If I was Tom Brady, I would have waited. I would have said, hey, listen, man, I'm going to wait like a month, a month and a half, maybe two months, so that if I get that craving again, I'm not doing this push and pull with my retirement. <laughs> yes. You know, but if I don't, then I'll know that it's time to go.
Now, I, I don't know ex the exact numbers, but I thought that he had at Fox something like a 10-year, $370 million yeah. deal. Like blank you money sitting on the more table. than he's ever made as a player. So maybe, yeah, maybe the thought is right now, say, I can make 23 as a quarterback and I can make 37 a year as an analyst. Breaking down maybe video, just doing all do the same that. thing. Same stuff. Without getting hit. Exactly, right? And maybe that is the thought. And maybe the thought is, okay, let's reconnect with the family. I don't know who. I wonder who, when, when you're Tom Brady, and I have no idea what his inner circle looks like, Jamie. Uh, but uh, I feel like watching him in that video, I was almost like sad. Because usually that's one right there where it's like your whole family. Tom Brady. He was a sixth-round pick that no one believed in. But he believed in himself. He believed in himself to a point where he won seven Super Bowls. He told the owner of the team, this is the best pick you have ever made. The owner said, who are you, son? <laughs> said, I'm Thomas Brady, sir, and I'm going to be your guy. He laughed and went to the massage parlor. But he came out relaxed because he had his quarterback for the next two decades. <laughs> Thomas... We will miss you. Your family will still not see you. But congratulations on an epic career. <laughs> Never know where you're going to plant those things. Never know where the arms of an angel are coming in. Yeah, you never know. It's nice yeah. Aaron Rodgers. That's right. That is right. By the way, real quick with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Okay? J just a, a quick jump. aside. Here we go. Yes. Okay? From from massages to punch karma to wherever you want to go. different hands on my body. That's a lot. And you got to pay extra I mean, for stuff like, like that. Of course it does. You got to pay extra. Yeah. Uh, but... You have J.J. Watt is, is retired. J.J. Watt, he's gone first ballot Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, he's gone first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. If you are Aaron Rodgers and you're contemplating your future, and we already know how Aaron Rodgers is wired. I mean, he's a me guy. He's an I guy. Do you think he wants to play an extra year so he does not end up being the uh, the guy that's like third up there? It's like, oh, yeah. Ah, I'll wait. If you're, I think Aaron Rodgers is exactly like that, to be honest. I think about right. I think he'll wait a year, and if he's going to retire, he'll retire so that he is a standalone in his his Hall of Fame year. I had a magical experience. Oh, haven't we all? Good for him. Good for him, and good for Tom Brady. And I can't wait in a couple of months as we get here ready for NFL training camps that Tommy Boy strikes again. So you know what, guys? I've had a change of heart, and I want to come back. By the way, there there is no chance we don't see him in Super Bowl coverage, right? He does not, he's not going to be calling the game. Olsen's doing a fantastic job. He's doing yeah. really good. By the way, if if you're Greg Olsen right now, you're sitting there like, son of a bitch. Oh, really? I know that feeling. Really? Because uh -huh. he's doing great, and it doesn't matter because the goat's right there just sitting on your neck that's, that's got this big contract already waiting. But Tom Brady has got to be doing film room stuff for the Super Bowl, breaking Even down the other side. Some of the guys. You got to do something. Yeah. Pay him blank you money because I think he's got incredible information. So crazy day. Tom Brady ends up retiring. He'll go down as the GOAT. He has all the respect in the world, and we wish him all the best. There is a guy that gets no respect. He gets no love. He plays every single day for your Cardinals, does everything right, and all the opposition does, and all the media does is wrong him. We're going to write that wrong next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Welcome back to the Fast Lane with Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh, all here with you. And uh, look, there's a, a lot of excitement heading into 2023 for the Cardinals. And there are a lot of guys that are looking to just take that next step uh, in their careers. Now, one guy that I believe that is, has taken some firm steps in the last couple of years is Tommy Edmond. Tommy kind of does a little bit of everything for you. Uh, now, he did come into the season last year. He said, all right, we got our leadoff hitter. And then that didn't work out. Uh, and ended up hitting more towards the end of the lineup a little bit later in the year, but still, you know, banged 31 doubles, stole, stole 32 bases, played gold glove caliber shortstop. And when when you look at uh, in terms of war, or I'm sorry, in terms of war, when you're looking you. at some of the nerd numbers, and uh, Tommy Edmond, and I mean this lovingly, he's a nerd. Uh, nerds love Tommy Edmond because he does all the little stuff right. You know, he's a smart player. He is uh, he, He's fast, good glove, runs the bases well, all of these things. And th- that adds up to war, 6.4 war for Tommy Edmond last year. That leads all of shortstops. So Wait, all of them? All of them. Wow. So shortly, and, and B war, okay? Not F war, B war. What's F war, Brad? Baseball reference war is B war. Hmm. F war is Fangraphs war. That's what I thought. Too. Yes, no, I know you did, but I, I wanted for the uninitiated. When you see B war and F war, hmm. there are two different. The calculations look. I don't want to get into the minutia of it because I don't oh. know. I don't know what's a good word Brad. between the two. I just know B war is higher. Yeah, I think it means the details, like the little tiny okay. details. I don't want to dig into that. Uh-oh. I just know there's a value with Tommy Edmond. So surely that plants him firmly in the top 10 of shortstops right now in Major League Baseball. Marcy, where'd he land in the top 10? Here we go. That's the drum roll. All right. You ready, guys? My rhythm sucks. My right hand is strong. Guys, I don't. Imagine that. Left hand, not. I don't see him on the list. What do you mean uh, he's not re- on the list? Refresh it or something then. To, uh, press the button with the uh, little, it's a circle, got an arrow on the end. Refresh. Yeah. Tommy Edmond. Not seeing him. <sighs> All wow. right. Let's right. start at number one. Yeah. Trey Turner. Number one. Is Tommy Edmond better than Trey Turner? No. All right. Well, then fine. Fine. Carlos Correa. Is Tommy Edmond better than Carlos Correa? No. No. Okay, fine. All right. We're, we're playing tough here. We can play mm-hmm. tough. That's fine. Xander Bogarts. No. Okay. No. All right. Fine. Corey Seager. Uh, last year, Corey Seager or the year before? You know what? Let's just say Corey Seager. Okay. <laughs> On what you believe <laughs> and what the Rangers believe What's he is. What's his B war? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Or his F war. I'm really not sure when F. it comes to Seager. So here is your list, okay? It's Trey Turner, Correa, Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Dansby Swanson, Bo Bichette, Willie Adamas, Tim Anderson and Wander Franco. That is your top 10 as far as MLB.com is concerned uh, of shortstops right now. Looking at the list, Jamie, is there a name that pops out and you say, absolutely, I put Tommy Edmond in instead of this guy? For me, the one right away is Dansby Swanson. That's the one I circle yeah. to where I think. And, you know, Bo Bichette is a good player too, but I, I think. I think Tommy Edmonds better than Bo Bichette. See, Bo Bichette is a way better stick. I mean, Bo well, Bichette. Yeah, he's better in the in the batter's box. He had 24 bombs, drove in 93. Like, he's a good piece. And defender, uh, Tommy Edmonds is a better defender than Bichette, but Bichette's certainly not going to end up killing you. Like, I look at this list, and the only guys that pop out to me and I say, okay, I would take Tommy over it, and they're not slam dunks, really, is Tim Anderson, 
Uh, and Tim Anderson, again, is a, is a better bat overall than Tommy Edmond has been. Uh, but I would take Tommy over Tim Anderson. And I, I'm hemming and hawing over Willie Adamas, but I believe that I would take Tommy there. So is this list then primarily, do you think, BT, this list is constructed of guys who swing the bat better? Yes. Yeah, It's I, definitely I, offensively heavy, For right? sure it is. For sure. And look, I, I think that in, in total fairness, the shortstop position has really flipped on its head in the last decade plus, where it used to be, hey, give me, give me that great glove at short. We'll get our offense from the corners. Well, you look at what the shortstop position has turned into offensively. You have got dudes that play at a pr- uh, prime premium position that are also driving the baseball, hitting home runs, doing a lot of things for you. And Tommy isn't necessarily that power guy. He's not. He's not that power guy. Uh, He's a doubles machine. He's a stolen base machine. We talk about his value in the war. His value is going to jump up even more next year. You got the bigger bases. You got limited pickoffs, Jamie. I mean, I think that he's set up for success. I was going to ask you about this because, and that's why I kind of set it up with, you know, is this an offensive heavy list of top 10 because come next year with the shift being limited and teams relying more on athleticism and guys who can cover ground like Tommy Edmonds going to become a very valuable piece of the Cardinals defense. I, I I totally agree. I think having a rangy shortstop is really important. I think that a lot of times what, what Tommy Edmonds game is, I don't think that, and you can say this for a lot of people's games, but I don't think that you appreciate it unless you watch it every day. And if you're a Cardinal fan, you're you're watching Tommy Edmond. You see the way yeah. that he goes about it. But if you're just looking at all of the numbers, they're, they're not popping off of the page and say, well, I better bring that guy in unless you're a nerd. And I say that again lovingly because I'm trying to get into the nerd culture. I suck at math. But, like, I'm trying to get in on the uh, – well, Yeah, yeah. Well, adjust my glasses, right? I see what exactly you are. And again, 6.4 war uh, that would lead all of shortstops. But I truly do believe, and I think that this is a a bigger question that I was talking to Alex Ferrario about last week as we were kind of talking about Tommy Edmond and some of these rankings. The question is, is there anything that Tommy Edmond can do that makes you forget about the great free agent class of shortstops that have been out there the last two years? No. Not really. I agree. I agree. Like, there's nothing. Uh, it, like, no, you had it just Correa. Isn't. He was out there, and Dansby. Even though, like, maybe you take him over. It, it, your team is better what if Dansby Story, Swanson though? is. Like, on. where are you on Trevor Story? Because he had a bit of a down year. He's hurt too. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but Tre- Trevor Story again. All things being equal. Trevor Story is the higher upside player. Doesn't yeah. mean he's necessarily more valuable in terms of war. But my, my thought is with Tommy Edmond, he could be a, he'll be a very good shortstop for you. He was a very good shortstop for you last year, even though he split time between second and short. But your ball club is better, obviously, if you had also brought in one of these shortstops that were out on the market the last two years and then have Tommy as your everyday second baseman or he floats around a little bit. But I'm not sure that there's anything that Tommy should do or could do that says, uh, never mind, we didn't need any of those guys. The only thing that the Cardinals can do is win because nobody cares. Like, be honest with yourself. If we're going through this season and the Cardinals are just rattling off wins, it's not just against the division. It's not like you're beating up on some bottom feeders of the Pirates and the Reds. You don't care what it looks like. You're not looking around and say, well, uh, Tommy's OBP is lower than Correa's right now. We should have signed that six-year, $200 million deal. If you're figuring out ways to win games and have a complete ball club, then you're good to go. Cardinals have a really good, and I know that you guys talked about this on 
on the show, they've got a good lineup anyhow. And Tommy Edmond is a big part of it. A guy, again, 30-plus doubles. I He's going to hit 40-plus doubles in his career. Like, that that will be a part well, of his game. He might hit more now. Well, you got, you got more openings, and he's yeah. a guy that can spray the ball around the yard a little bit as well. Uh, but you you had ESPN did their rankings recently. I think it was just a couple of days ago. Best lineups in baseball. Number one was the Padres. That shouldn't come as a surprise. You got well, Machado. You got Soto. <laughs> uh, you've got Tatis Jr. I think that he's going to miss about 20 games left off of his uh, suspension. You got Cronenworth. I mean, you got some freaking guys over there but number two is the cardinals then there are a lot of different factors that go into it and there's a lot of guys that need to take that next step and i don't even look at tommy edmund as one of those guys if tommy just does what he's doing he's going to be the shortstop for a long time unless somebody comes in internally maybe it ends up being mason win if his bat ends up sticking at this level and surplants him and he turns into another you know versatile player uh but i, I don't think that he needs to do anything different i think that o'neill needs to do something different yeah. I believe that Dylan Carlson is going to need to grow. I believe that Newt's going to have to prove what he did last year. Interesting piece also at Fangraphs uh, about uh, Brendan Donovan and his growth and what it could look like next year. And uh, there are some worries that he might regress. It was a monster season for him last year. But uh, I think that he's up for that challenge. To me, it's more about those guys and Yepes and Gorman than it is Tommy So Edmund. it's kind of like the Bader discussion from prior years to where people – weren't happy with Bader's offense. And, you know, we've said the same thing, basically. Harrison Bader should not end up being a factor. If all your other guys are going, Harrison Bader can just do what he does. So same can be said pretty much for Tommy Edmund. Yes, but but Tommy has been even more consistent no, as a I agree. Man. I'm just I'm saying we did talk for about sure. that in no, the No, past. you're right. You're right. You just keep being that same player and everybody else will be just fine. Like there are things in Tommy's game offensively that you'd like to see. I'd like to see him draw more walks. I'd like to see that on base percentage go up a little bit because you got that kind of speed and those kind of jumps. I'd like him on base more. Yeah. Uh but I I don't think that you ever want him to turn into, oh, I gotta try to be like these guys and hit home runs. That's no, what I they don't want. want that. Get, I don't want the Colton long no. effect happening there. We did, we did get a text too from the 573 said oh so breaking news Edmund wins shortstop job over Paulie D uh, I mean it's his job it is his job I can't wait to see what Paul looks like in spring I hope that Paul looks fantastic and uh, you're, you're really thinking about you know how does he fit and how do we get him at bats Tommy Edmund is your shortstop. Yeah, oh yeah. There's so, no doubt about that. Uh, we don't we don't have to do the breaking news sounder uh, at this point. We might have to do the breaking news sounder in a minute because uh, we're going to go to oh, yeah. uh, a hockey insider, okay, over at TSN. A big time guy. I mean, Darren Drager is as plugged in as you are going to get. Yep. The hot stove season for the NHL is here. I mean, you have got uh, a lot of rumors about a lot of Blues players, and uh, when there's smoke... There's a dumpster fire. It's called the Blues. Oh, what man. are they going to do? What is Darren Drager here? And we're going to talk to him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here alongside Brad Thompson, former World Series champion, Cardinals pitcher. We're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now to be joined by our guy, Darren Drager from TSN. Drags, how we doing today, bud? 
Hey, we're doing good, Jamie. Thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. We're uh, Well, I'm doing good. Our St. Louis Blues not doing so great right now. Obviously, as you know, they're in the midst of a five-game losing streak. It's been a tough year all around, and um, yeah. they're just trying to recover on uh, on a lot of fronts. But, you know, you're a guy with your ear to the ground uh, all across the NHL. Before we get into some of the Blues players, I want to find out from you if the Bo Horvat trade – does that set the market for similar players? Like, we've got O'Reilly and Tarasenko here. Does Bull Horvat's deal kind of set the bar? Well, it definitely helps, right? Um, you know, on an annual basis, as we've experienced, when you've got top-level, upper-level players like O'Reilly, Tarasenko, um, obviously Bo Horvat is in that camp, you know, you're going to want and ask for a first-round draft pick to be part of the equation. Now, that can be negotiable, right? So if you get a, a better young NHL player coming back or a top NHL prospect, maybe you're willing to be a little bit more flexible on what that, that draft pick looks like. Can it drift down into a second or even deeper than that? It all, all depends on the quality of the players that are included in this deal. Uh, so every year we, you know, we, we hear from general managers who are primary, uh, primarily buyers who say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in giving up my first-round pick. And they're not interested in doing it until someone else does it. And that's exactly what happened with Lula Amarillo and the New, the, uh, New York Islanders. So they sent three pieces to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, that's a fair level of return, I think, for the Vancouver Canucks in Horvat, who's having a tremendous year. So there's no doubt when you're St. Louis or you're another team and you've got a quality piece in play, you're going to expect that first-round pick to be part of the equation, and then a prospect or a young NHL player as part of it as well. Drake, when you mention all the names, right, and obviously O'Reilly and Tarasenko are the names that, that are going to catch uh, some ears, and Barbashev, and we realize you know, their contract situation, I could be able to keep all of these guys. When you look at the Blues yeah. from a national perspective, is do you see this team as retooling or are in a bad spot and the future looks a little bleak for them? No, for me, it's more of a retool. And I say that completely respectful of the experience of Doug Armstrong, not his first rodeo by a long shot. And he's noted as one of the general managers who has a real keen sense and eye of where his organization is at what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. So, look, I mean, there's no guarantee that a retool is going to be good enough. But when you sign players like Cairo and Thomas and, and some of the other young pieces that they have within the organization, within the system, I mean, you can't just cut bait and say, okay, we gotta, we got to take this thing right down to the wood and fully embrace a rebuild because it's, it's not necessary. So what it, it appears St. Louis is trying to do is obviously get younger. They have to be mindful of the salary cap, what that's going to look like in the next couple of years, but put in a transitional phase so that some of the assets in the future. But by also doing that, you add freshness to the group, don't you? You know, this core has been together a long time. Uh, the majority of this core are from a Stanley Cup championship team, so it's just cyclical. There comes a point in time where you hope that the window isn't going to close, but the reality is it does close. So I think that you know Armstrong and company are looking to freshen things up, but I don't think that it's a complete overhaul by any stretch. 
So, Dregs, one of the guys who's been a part of this team for quite a while is Vladimir Tarasenko. And it's been a roller coaster ride here the last couple of years. As you know, well documented. He re- trade requests, and then Army held on yeah. to him. And then there was a list of teams, but nobody really knew what teams he would go to. We're in a situation yeah. now where I feel like it's coming to a crescendo. But the market, how hard will it be for Army to find a deal? that he values because with Vladimir Tarasenko's no trade clause, he's kind of driving the bus on this one. That could make it a lot harder for him. Yeah. 100% that'll make it more difficult. No doubt about that. Um, I mean, ultimately it comes down to what's the player's willingness and want to win. Uh, does he want to chase another Stanley cup? And I guess the answer to both those questions should be. Go opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. If that's the case, then if the perfect fit isn't there, a team that's on his list, but there is a team that isn't on his list that should be considered at least a a real good playoff contender, then you have to take that to the player and take that to the agent and see what level of flexibility that he has. But guys, let's, let's not lose sight of some of the baggage that Tarasenko carries with him. Um, Look, uh, the ability to put the puck in the net and generate offense is going to trump a lot of things, but we know that he's got a history of injury. So there's a bit of a red flag there, even though, you know, he's, he's getting healthy here. Uh, and you've, you've got the history of wanting out of St. Louis and not being comfortable with the environment. Well, is that going to drag on into a new situation? You don't know. So there's a level of uncertainty there that I don't think, is going to apply in any to Ryan O'Reilly when O'Reilly is back healthy. But I, in saying all that, goal scorers are hard to find, you know, even if it's a rental situation. So I look at being more of a rental than Ryan O'Reilly because in O'Reilly, as long as you're getting him within reasonable health, you know what you're getting in the player, and that's guts, that's glory, that's nose to the grindstone, proven winner, character out the wazoo, all of those things. We're catching up with TSN's hockey insider. It's Darren Drager right here on 101 ESPN. Now, you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. It's been a really weird year for him, and obviously a frustrating one even before when he was healthy, wasn't putting up the numbers that he would like to have. Then he ends up getting hurt. But coming into the season, it almost felt like, oh, well, certainly the Blues are going to extend O'Reilly. They're going to keep him in-house. Now it feels like certainly they're going to have to trade O'Reilly. I know that our good buddy Jeremy Rutherford from the the Athletic Reef Recently sat down with O'Reilly. Ryan said, look, he, he would like yeah. to stay in St. Louis. Do you see a scenario where O'Reilly does not get moved? Well, I do. Um, but I think that that's also due diligence, right? And and I, I like Jeremy's piece. Uh, I think that it's it's accurate. Um, you know, Armstrong is sure that is going to pay. And as we talked about earlier in, in the discussion here, guys, it's always kind of the same. It's that high draft pick. It's a prospect or a good young Sometimes it's three pieces like the Canucks acquired in the Horvat trade. Armstrong needs to find out what the market is for Ryan O'Reilly. If the market is there, establish that. You know what that market is. So then you go back to Newport Sports, who represents Ryan O'Reilly, and you say, okay, well – what does an extension look like for Ryan? 
you know, here's what we're comfortable doing. And I suspect it would be shorter term based on where he's at in his career. The dollars are going to be tight here. They have to be. I mean, the salary cap is going to increase. It could be a flat cap, depending on what the Players Association decides. It could go up $3 million, and then the year after, it'll probably go up considerably more after that. But those are all factors, right? And if the extension doesn't make sense, either term or in dollar, then the hard decision is going to have to be made, and you take a trade to Ryan O'Reilly. But Doug Armstrong first needs to educate himself on all of those scenarios before he makes that informed decision closer to the deadline. Drags, we're obviously we're in it here in St. Louis, so we you know we talk about these things on a daily basis, and and certain players, and of course all the unrestricted free agents have been at the top of the list as far as discussions are concerned. But from an outsider's perspective or things that you might be hearing, is there a surprise trade that could happen with the Blues? And what I mean by that is a guy that has term left on his deal, that's making pretty good money, that's not on an expiring contract, that, you know, somebody just comes calling and Doug Armstrong might be willing to move said player. Yeah, not really front burner. I mean, guys, and I, I'm loath to speculate, right? I, I don't like doing that because I don't like putting players in crosshairs and just fabricating rumor for the sake of of our business and what we do and what we have to talk about on a daily basis. Uh, you know, a name that's been tossed about, and I don't support this, I'm just saying it, and, and it kind of comes with the territory, and that's Colton Pareko. I don't get it. Um, I think he's an important piece of the St. Louis Blues. He's got a healthy contract. I like him as a player, but he's gone through some tough times this year, and I think that that's primarily what sparked some of the the earlier speculation but i haven't had one team ask me whether or not i think the speculation is real versus bs now that may be because they've contacted the st louis blues directly to say is there any chance uh and they got a hard no i can't be certain of that but you know beyond media speculation honestly for me in in connecting any sort of of real trade value to the St. Louis Blues seems to be primarily focused on their expiring contract, guys. Awesome. Great stuff, Dregs. We really appreciate you coming on today. And again, it's Darren Drager. You can follow him on Twitter, at Darren Drager, TSN's Hockey Insider. He does great stuff over there at TSN. Dregs, thanks a lot, my man. All right, Jamie, Brad, stay well. Thank you. All right, thank you. Good stuff there by Darren Drager. Dregs got good stuff. I feel like he gave us the... uh the answers to the test a few times, but then his phone cut out yeah. on a couple of them. Uh, well, he's driving no. around in Toronto oh, and reception sure. in Toronto for is sure. tough I'm sometimes. sure he's a busy man getting, uh, getting plenty of calls. Look, the hot stove season is here. It's just a little over a month, right, before the trade deadline. But I guarantee you Army's getting calls right now. He's making calls. You have to figure out how do you best set up your team for success in the future because it does not appear, uh, barring a drastic change of events in the next month, that the uh, the future is this year. Like yeah. you, you got to look forward a little bit. So thanks again to Darren Drager from TSN. we got What's Trending coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, at the beginning of the show, we talked about Tom Brady, who announced his retirement today after 23 seasons. I just wanted to ask you guys, what stands out the most about Tom Brady's career? Out of all the games he's played, out of all the the, the famous things that he's done on the field, what thing stands out the most, though? Like what one event what from one Tom event? Brady? Uh, well, our guy Anthony, not here today, so we'll, we'll talk about Let's this. Let's kick him while he's down. Just the uh, <laughs> that awesome comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. I know that uh, part of that was the Falcons undoing at the same time, but you got a guy like Tom Brady who got locked in in that second half, mainly that fourth quarter, and you know he comes back and win the championship. I think the 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 biggest thing for me is that. I don't think any team he ever played for ever felt like they were truly out of a game because they had Tom Brady as their quarterback. And that was just proof of it. And then following that game, it always kicked in. Last five minutes of the game, if you're down by a score or 10 (laughs) points, here we go. So that's what I remember most about Tom Brady. Yeah, I I don't even have like one, one play or one game. When you win seven Super Bowls, there's, there's quite a few moments and you're the MVP of five of (laughs) them. 23 years. Like that's, that's the funny part when you think about, hey, hey, how old was Tom again? 45, 46. Like how many Super Bowls did he go to? Was it it nine? Was it like he did so many ridiculous things, but what he'll continue to be synonymous with is just winning. Like that, like that's what Tom is. If we got a text to the Air Comfort Service text line that also said cheater, maybe you know, uh, or uh, tried hard, you know. Either way, are we still talking about his balls? I think so. I think well, the balls, the balls. uh, But I think people care less about his balls here, and I think people care more about the video here. the, video? Uh, yeah, the recording practice. Oh, obviously, is the video. That was that an I'm accident, though. BT didn't know. That was an accident. I had no had idea. No idea. Was recording it. Correct. Yeah, it's the way that I, I mean, look it at it. Six five seven eight zero is not the air comfort service text line anymore. Three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. If you have anything to say uh, about that, but what about you, Marcy? Do you have a moment that sticks out to you? Well, I was really young when this happened, but we get the uh, <laughs> obviously when they they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. But the next time they went to the Super Bowl and played Carolina, it was almost the same exact thing. They go down there, they get the you know the the final seconds, the field goal from Adam Vinatieri. It was like, is this guy about to do this again? And then he did, and it was one of those things where you're like, okay, like, you know, you do it one time, whatever. It could be a fluke, you never know. But he does it again. And you're like, oh my goodness, like these guys are starting to become villains now. And then they beat the Eagles, and it just got to a point growing up for me where I'm like, I do not like this guy at all. Like, I didn't like him. I didn't like Tom Brady at all. I like Peyton Manning. I felt bad for Peyton Manning that Tom Brady beat him all the time. And then once Tom Brady left the Patriots and started getting on social media, you start to see his actual, like, personality come out. I think that's where the the flip kind of happened for me, and I think a lot of people, too. Yeah. I agree. That's one thing that uh, people, even Randy, even our very own Randall Carricker, who not a big Tom Brady fan? He admitted himself that he's like once he went to Tampa and you get to see some of his personality and you know kind of take down the curtain a little bit. Yeah, that you know Brady was a very likable guy. So, congrats on a great career. He'll be back. Let's be yeah, honest. Probably give him a couple weeks. 
Guys, Mark J. Burns, he tweeted out uh, yesterday that the NHL US TV national viewership is down 22% this season per findings from Austin Carp. NHL regular season games to date have averaged 3,000 or 373,000 viewers on ESPN TNT. Second season, obviously, uh, with those two uh, those two broadcasting partners. Uh, the NHL averaged 478,000 viewers at this point last season so obviously down uh, what do you what do you make of this jamie well you know they did, they did a couple things here they they did a little network swapping it used to be nbc that carried the games nationally and now they went back to espn after many years of being apart and they've added tnt and i think that you know some of the the viewers like the espn is great if you've got the app on your tv but if you don't for whatever reason they don't always have the games on cable it's on the streaming service you can get into the game so it's a little harder for people to do that or maybe some people just don't want the app i'm not sure so from uh as far as like um the making it easy to watch the games i don't know maybe it's a little confusion there the game itself the, is fast it's skilled but it's at times almost predictable and i don't say boring because it's not boring but you know for me as a fan I'm watching it, and, and it, it could be anybody out there. You don't have to see the last name on the back. They all look the same. They all play the same. The games are all kind of going the same way. So for the casual fan, maybe it's just like, okay, I've seen this. I saw this last week. I'm good. And it doesn't matter who's playing type mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know. The NHL has to do a better job of you know, letting the viewer behind the scenes more, get to know the players more. I think the NHL has not marketed their players well enough in the United States so that people get personally attached to guys. I think that's specifically important when you're talking about national games because hockey, a lot like baseball, is very regional. You care about your Blues. You care about your Cardinals. And if there's a national game on, maybe, right? Maybe if you're flipping through the channels, to your point, if it's hidden on an app, it might be a little bit harder to find or you just don't even know what's going on because you don't really care. But that's where I would like to learn a little bit more about a guy instead of solely watching the game, like entertain me in a a different way. But there certainly is, when you're talking about ratings going down that much, there are more and more people, I guarantee you, we have a lot of people listening right now that have cut the cord, that, that are not, don't have your, your typical cable and, yeah. and and just consume the product in a little bit different way. So you have that and then you couple in the regionalized. Like this is, it's this is going to continue to happen. Like these, these ratings are going to continue to go down. That's just kind of the nature of the beast right now. And I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Jamie. Maybe from like a, a Blues fan perspective, if, if they're feeling the same way, since the Blues aren't that uh, you know great this year, they're not really in the mix. Sometimes when your team is in the mix, you want to see what other teams are doing, just in case you know how you know you want to see like Kirill Kaprizov. You want to watch the Wild, see how the Wild are doing because you know that could be a team that you play in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So with the Blues kind of having the season they're having right now, it almost seems like uh, the games don't mean as much the other games because in the the state that your team is in. So get a text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 that simply says bring back fighting. Jamie, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd watch. So here's the thing, and I, I don't know who they pull for some of these things. But Gary Bettman, you know, he's done a a good job of growing the game of hockey. Revenues are all-time high. And they have tried their best to remove fighting or limit it. I've never in my life 
watched a hockey game where a fight broke out and people all sat down and turned their back to it. Hey, it's time to go get a beer. I've never seen it. Like, you got games, like, of course, the goals are important, but as soon as there's a fight, like, everybody in the building stops what they're doing and they watch. They may not like what they're watching, but they're watching and they have a reaction to it. Whether their guy's getting his face pounded in or he's doing the pounding himself, either way, the fans are watching. Somebody's taking it yeah. and the fans are loving it. They are. So, but it's never going to happen again. Like that's no, never going to come back. And I, and you understand why, right? Player safety. Uh, I don't want to like wave that off as player safety. That's a big deal. You want guys to be as healthy as possible. The, the product can still be good, but how do you figure out a way to feed it to more people? That ends up being the hard part. Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson, all here with you. You probably, Jamie. You're probably a, a kid where. Report cards came out, and you got a little nervous. Like, right around the time, semester's ending, a little tight cheeks for uh, you. Oh, yeah. I think some teams had some tight cheeks because the Athletic gave out some off-season grades. How'd your Cardinals do? Are they uh, on a roll, or are they barely passing? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Brad. I'm so glad to hear your voice. We've been missing you. Glad to hear you again. Thanks for coming back on the radio with Jamie. It ought to be a good show today. Guess who's got a new ringtone? This guy. <laughs> that right there. That pumped me up a little bit. Janet, thank you. And a reminder to all of you listening, we don't have to prompt you throughout the show. That mic drop available on that 101 ESPN app, that feature, it's open all the time right now. If you want to say nice, sweet things like Janet, mm. or you want to blow up something we're whoa, talking about, whoa. and uh, no, something we're talking about, okay, then uh, do that. Use the mic drop. I don't want you drop. misguiding our, our listeners. Yes, or, or, right, I would never do that. Or if you have a thought on, you know, where you think the Cardinals should have been graded because the Athletic gave out some grades. Athletic, I feel like the Athletic is, that's a tough crowd, man. Well, uh, look, the you know who is the gatekeeper for the Cardinals at the Athletic, okay? That's Katie Wu. Mm -hmm. And she's a tough grader, and she doesn't pull any punches, and she helped give out this grade. She might have just totally given out the grade to the Cardinals. Let me ask you something really quick before we get to the Cardinals grade. Okay. What was your GPA? Like when you're looking through uh, high school, and I assume that in, in Canada you have the same sort of a... No, uh, we no? don't. No, <laughs> no, okay. no, we don't. What is your system <laughs> that so, you utilize? Is it called a grade point average? What are we looking at here? Uh, it's a percentage. And so uh, coming <laughs> up learning something. through elementary school, middle school, it's like the A, B, C, D, F type right. thing, okay? And then once you get to high school, it's an overall percentage. So 100% being obviously the top. Okay. And so the passing grade would be a 70%. And then you go up from there. And so then they take your overall average of all of your classes, 
and they have a percentage. So if you're a an 85% student, it means that that's your average grade overall throughout all of it. So it's kind of a GPA system-ish. But you're, you just go into your job interview, like, oh, I was an 85%. Yeah, I'm a 90% student type Look thing. at and you it go. It gives you like, oh, wow, okay. So you, you get an idea right then, like, oh, where you're at good for type you. thing. And I, I was a good student, Brad. Honestly. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. When I say that, I didn't mean to have like the question. That was mark. a little bit yeah, I, I feel like at the end of it. Slightly insulted to say the least. Say it again. I was a really good student, Brad. I know you were. Yeah. yeah you're a smart guy. You dig in, you mm-hmm. know the numbers. Uh you're you're uh, very well versed. You speak multiple languages. This is true. So there is a very good chance that you had someone doing your homework. Anyways, the uh athletic I still don't feel very good about this. Doesn't matter. Hmm. It just means you're a networker. <laughs> you know, you get people working for you. That's <laughs> I what was it's that all kid. About. I was that kid that did get help with uh-huh. homework, but then I could pass any test. I could jump on and like do one day of like reading the material and pass the test and just, you know, get by that way. That's because you had the answers to the test though. No, maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, it would be nice if I would have had the answers. I would have used them for sure. I had, uh, I had a class, and we'll get to the Cardinals. Great, who cares? We're talking now. Um, I had a class in uh, in college, and it was a history class in uh, freshman year. And apparently, this teacher, professor, whatever they want to be called, teacher, he didn't change the tests or anything like ever? ever so the baseball team had a big book of just like here's all the tests from this class here's all the tests from that class so here you go so you just waited a little bit longer to turn in your scantron and be like is this long enough this is long enough i think, I, I think that <laughs> have i done it. a good job selling it <laughs> i think that we have have got this done now anyways i was a really good student just wanted to throw that out there the cardinals really yeah what <laughs> Sorry, I figured I'd return the favor. That's fine. You know, it's funny. Once I got to the high school, like, my, my grades were always decent. I think I graduated, like, a 3.2 GPA. That would be, like, a, let's call it an 83% type okay. student. You know, right. call it like, one of those. That's um, good, Brad. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's school got harder and harder as interests got more and more. Baseball, kind of digging in. Uh, anyways, kids be able to do both, okay? Multitask. The Cardinals are just getting by. They're just getting by. Uh, they got a C plus Ooh. in terms of the off season. Is the plus make a difference for you? Oh, it makes it higher. Yeah, I but mean, let's, really let's go difference? with our percentages. Okay, they're a seventy-seven to seventy-nine, <laughs> you know, percent Instead team of a in Canada. Yeah. That's passing. Oh, it is passing. Yeah, is it? Though? And for a team that is already well, that's good, fitting. Here's the way that I look at this. Okay, here's the way that I look at this. For a team that won ninety-three games, had a huge hole at catcher with Yadier Molina being gone, they end up adding the best free agent catcher available. In Contreras, give them a five-year, eighty-seven point five million dollar deal. They filled the void. They 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 made this ball club better. Now we're gonna find out what it looks like without Albert there saving your bacon in the second half. Because boy, that was fun to watch. Um, other guys are going to have to step up. But I do think that the grade of C plus, and just to, to grab a, a little piece at the end of it here that Katie Wu wrote at the Athletic says. Uh, uh, St. Louis does deserve some credit for acquiring the best free agent backstop available and addressing two birds with one stone. See what you did there. But you <sighs> don't get a top grade for doing the minimum. Again, that's Katie Wu at The Athletic giving the Cardinals a C-plus in the offseason. She's not wrong. Like, I think that was your that was your big addition, and yeah. it was your big need. I feel like a lot of uh, Cardinal fans, after hearing the front office talk about, wow, well, right, payroll is going to increase, it's going to go up, we're going to go spend. It's like, all right, hot damn, what are they going to do? I think none of us believed 
in our heart of hearts that they were going to go land one of those shortstops. I didn't think Turner was going to be here. I didn't think they were going to make no. a move, bring in Bogarts, any, any of that It was stuff. fun to think about it, though. Oh, boy. What would we have done without that, really? With all the segments that we got out of that, I can't wait until the hot stove season hits again. And we'll make up some <laughs> more rumors. But you really thought that there might be an addition. Maybe it ends up being the starting pitcher. We keep looking at the front end of, of this. I don't think a C-plus grade is uh, unfair, but I think it goes back to the conversation we is were having before. You're too high. Well, that's possible. But is the grade too high? No. Okay. I'm just I, I'm just fine. being honest. Because it's in fine. Katie Wu's piece, she mentions that, you know, retaining Nolan Arenado and Adam Wainwright. Is yeah, that's the, not nothing, isn't it? It's not nothing, but I don't really consider that, like, making you know moves. What, but think about that, though. Think about if, uh, in regards to Nolan Arenado specifically, what if Moe's meeting with him did not go well? Wow. What if he flies out to L.A.? It's like, look, this is what we got. You got a fair deal. You're not going to make more money in the open market. How about you just sign it and let's roll? And he goes, all right, thank you. I appreciate that conversation. I'll be back to you. And then he signs with the Dodgers, makes way more money, and then all of a sudden your season looks like hell. You're blanked. I know that uh, it felt like for sure this was going to happen, but I'm glad it did. I'm glad he did, did not decide to opt out of his contract. But I think this goes back to the conversation we were having a little bit earlier of nobody cares what your offseason looks like. Nobody cares who your shortstop is if you win games. Doesn't matter. They didn't do enough. Are they winning games? Not just against the division. Again, oh, you beat up on the Reds. Good for you. Oh, the Buccos. You got them. No, I was talking about you're beating a lot of good teams. And by the way, when you look at the Cardinal schedule, the first month is going to be a gauntlet. I mean, they got some teams early on. If you're winning ball games, you're going to be just fine. Would you like to be able to add a little bit more to this roster? Certainly. But I think that they're going to have plenty of opportunity to do that midstream at the trade deadline when they figure out what is going to be the need that ends up putting them over the hump. I think that's the way that they'll yeah. really fix well, I think this. They ha- I think that's the way they have to do it now because there's really nothing else there's left not- out. There's nothing to do unless you're just doing something to do it to try and appease maybe a, a, a part of the fan base that wants you to do more. What needed to be done, you did it. You addressed the catcher position. Did you address that top end of the starting rotation? No, you didn't. You weren't able to. You weren't able Jack to. Jack Flaherty. Oh, boy. 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. I didn't just throw it there just because I said Jack Flaherty, and he's polarizing. <laughs> but he's the ace. <laughs> he is not the ace, Could Brad. be. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could have been last year, too. And the year before. He was, was he? hurt last yeah. year. What if he's hurt again this year? He's I don't not. want Why that. Why would you do that? But what if he gets hurt? You know what? You and Cottleville Chris <laughs> just wishing Tommy John on everybody. I didn't say that. The By time. the way, Brock Purdy, Tommy John, coming up. Yeah, six to eight months. Mm-hmm. Should have just had it. Should have just got it after he got drafted. Totally agree. He'd have been fine. Totally agree. He could have played in the Super Bowl. Well, people make mistakes. Jamie. <laughs> People make mistakes. Here's a mistake uh, that you would make. If you have a question, if you don't text it to us. No, no, no. You you made all the mistakes. If you have a question and you don't text it in to us at 314-399-9646, you've made a mistake. Because we've got the sports six-pack coming up. We want all your questions. We'll have answers. Or at the very least, we'll try. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Well, hopefully you got all of your questions into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Marshy has got your questions. Marsh, what do we got? Question number one. All right, this one comes from the 314. Would you guys rather see a killer spring training from Jordan Walker or a killer world baseball classic from Tyler O'Neill? Spring training from Jordan Walker. Ah, oh, damn, that's actually hard. I'm going, and that's how excited I am. Uh, I'm excited about both these players, Jamie. I can tell. Ah, boy. Ah! I switched totally, and I'm going Tyler O'Neal. Really? Yep. Okay, so I'm a big Tyler O'Neal fan. I know you are. Yeah. I'm going Jordan Walker. Look, I'm a... The only reason I'm going this direction is... I believe that the 20-year-old Jordan Walker, I believe I know what that's going to look like. And I believe that whether it's in spring training or it's a month into the season, he will force his way onto the roster. But if Tyler O'Neill looks like the dude that we saw a couple of years ago, it doesn't have to be that level, okay? But you know what I'm talking about. He doesn't look like he's an out up there. Mm. He doesn't look like the game is going a million miles an hour. This team is in a really good position. So if he tears it up in the WBC, which, by the way, there's a lot more pressure on that than there is a normal spring training game. They'll lean on him heavily. Now, I doubt that Canada is going to make a deep run. Who knows, Jamie? Who knows? They train in the snow, Brad. That's great. They play in the sun. Uh, but you do whatever so you want. how much easier it's going to be? <laughs> you do it's like running with ankle weights. <laughs> Same idea. Uh, we practice under the worst environment. Ground balls off of snowbanks. <laughs> Why can't we, we can't catch these good hops. <laughs> what's, what's going on well, I can't here? catch when my hands are freezing. But I, yeah, I am going to go with the Tyler O'Neill uh, because he's got the five-tool He's got the five-tool skill set. He's already on your roster, and you're already paying him. Yeah. I would like to see that. Obviously, I'd like to see both, but I feel from a – I don't know. I worry that Tyler O'Neill's going to go to this thing and get hurt. I don't know why I'm on the injury why thing today. Why would you today. say that? I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because Jack's going to get hurt. Mm. Uh, O'Neal's going to get hurt. You want to hurt anybody else? I don't want to – I personally don't want to hurt anybody. You've hurt a lot of people. Not in this moment, but – I just worry about that. So for me, the the intense baseball right away, uh, right out of the the gate for him, no spring training, no like kind of getting into it. And I know that they're going to do similar stuff, but it's not quite yeah, they the have same. A lead up. He'll be in camp for a little bit. And they'll do some stuff. Quite the same. No, for well, and, and that is again how you you have to prepare yourself on your own time yeah. to get ready for those real time at bats. But I don't mind him playing against pretty good competition early. Yeah, getting geared up. Yeah, you're right. I don't like it as much with the pitchers. I don't like them having to get geared up early. Well, then, too, how many innings are they going to end up pitching overall throughout the season? How do you manage that later on? Especially high leverage ones. Question number two. From the 618, based on the contracts people received, was there even a free agent that would have actually considered that would have raised the grade, the grade that we just talked about in the last segment uh, that was given to the Cardinals, uh, the, the C, of course. But um, was there a player after those big-time free agents signed their contracts that 
maybe could have raised that grade like for the that cards. Next tier of player. Yeah. The problem is the next tier of player still costs like $160 million. Like, I look at Brandon Nimmo. I was just about to say. As the next no. tier of player. Brandon Nimmo is a good ball player. He makes your ball club better. Like, does he raise you to a B minus? Maybe. Or I, I don't see that moving the needle that much. So, the, to me, the guys that did it were any of the shortstop. That raises your grade. And any of the A starters. That was it. Like, you add to your outfield. And Aaron Judge, as you mentioned. Uh, that one well, yeah, I got raises. I uh, yeah, But he raises the bar a little bit. After that, like, even if you added, let's, let's say the, the Cardinals added Jameson Tyone to their rotation. Jameson Tyone is a good pickup for the Cubs, and the Cubs made a few good pickups, and we're going to talk a little bit later uh, about the division and who is going to who's going to give the Cardinals the best run for their money? And are the Cubs going to be in that uh, that mix? By the way, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs, the White Sox, and everything that is MLB. We're going to talk to him at 4 o'clock about some of the same things. But other than the top end, nothing moved the needle. And it goes back to your point, Jamie, earlier of you don't just spend money to spend money. It's like, okay, well, we did something. Did, did it help? I'd rather go out and find out what you have in this mix of outfielders and see who shakes out. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Question number three. Brad, you like prop plays? I do like props on props on props. Especially the Super Bowl. Oh, baby. We all like putting some money down. Every time. Everybody says tails never fails. It fails all the time. At least 50%. You're on the right track. From the 314, what will the Gatorade color be at the Super Bowl? Gatorade color is going to be red. You think it's going to be red? For the Chiefs. And their victory. So are you under the belief that the Gatorade is the same color for both teams or that the Gatorade rep rep, like reflects the color of the team that is playing? Okay, so what I know uh, as far as the NHL is concerned, the Gatorade color is the same for both teams. You provide the Gatorade and it is what it is. You have water, you have Gatorade. Now they've got the bio steel water and all Mm -hmm. sorts of other amenities as well. So, but I don't know anything about the NFL. I don't know if you have the ability to personalize your Gatorade uh, as a team, but I, I'm going to go with the lime green color, the yellow, the original. I think the that's, lemon lime's my favorite. I think the that's OG. the one that gets dumped out. You think so? Yep. What's your favorite Gatorade of all? Blue. Time? The blue is that blue raspberry or no, Glacier no, it's Freeze like Arctic or? blue? Okay, Arctic yeah. Blast. Oh, yeah, one of Glacier those. Freeze. Look that up on Urban so Dictionary. Good. That's probably something. Uh, the uh, You know what else I liked back in the day? I don't even know if they make it still, but it was like the Michael Jordan one was Citrus Cooler. Oh, citrus Cooler. Is that the secret sauce from Space Jam? Uh, nope. Or that's is that something different? different? That is something gotcha. different. Yep. This is Citrus Cooler made with real, not citrus, with most likely. Michael Jordan's sweat. Sweet stuff. <laughs> yep. I like the yellow Gatorade. I think it's the best. Every yeah. time I drink it, I just feel healthier. For some reason, it's terrible for you. It really yeah. is. If you're just drinking Gatorade, it's like, oh, let's have some Gatorade. This is healthy. No, it's not. Unless you were just running or doing something physical, because if not, you're just adding in calories and sugar you don't need. Well, yeah. Well, you, you got to get the the zero sugar. Yeah, and that tastes like water. Mm. Something. Question number four. All right, guys, from the 217, when you guys were out on the road, did you guys ever go out for drinks or yeah. hang out with the opposition? Only if you had friends, for, for me. If you had a buddy on the other team. We never just hung out with the other team. So, hey, let's go all party together. That never happened for us. But you hockey players are a different breed. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, there were there were certain times where you'd go maybe for dinner the night before the game. But like when I first broke into the league, we weren't flying charter. So you're flying commercial. So you'd end up staying in the city that you just played at. And you know this, BT, like there's only so many bars or places to go following a baseball game or yeah. a hockey game that are open, that are fun to be at and whatnot. So you would end up at the same place as the other team. And then, of course, you know, you'd have a few beers with a guy. And just like any other time where you're, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I hate that guy, but I'd love him on my team type thing. Sometimes you're sitting there having a couple of beers with a guy who you absolutely can't stand. And then by the end of your third beer, like, this guy's pretty cool. I like him. He's a lot like me. Or, yep. You know, you get along. Uh, but, yeah, so it it happened you know, frequently. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Hockey, is, it's weird like that, too. You have that kind of a an evening, and the next day you're on the ice and trying to pound each other's faces in. Sports are fun. It's yeah. You don't really get that in any other. Probably not walk really healthy. Life. Like maybe right? it is though. Maybe that's actually the most healthy thing ever. Instead <laughs> of like holding these grudges all the time, <laughs> it's like I can't stand that guy. Like maybe at work you should be able to just go just call duke out, it out somebody pummel somebody once a week, and then after work say, hey, let's go get a beer. Let's talk about that. It would once a week be too often, or once a month, or once a year you get to call out a coworker. <laughs> like let's have fun with this for a second, and I'm not going to ask you who you'd call out because I don't want this is an easy. Decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but once a week, like if an office wait, was- a week is too much. I think that a week you're gonna have too much bad blood. Like hopefully you work in an environment where every week you don't have to call somebody out. Yeah. But I think that once a month maybe, and it's, it, the option is there. You obviously don't have to what utilize if it if you don't need it. Then then you got to call somebody out. But then it's not like if it's mandatory, it's not. No, real. it's not real. That's right. I like it. I, so I've been trying to lobby for something, and it's not going to work now. It's 2023, uh, but it's called Purge Friday, and this happens on the text line where I can text back whatever I want, Ooh. anything, anything yeah. I want, mm. and it's just like, hey, it's Purge Friday, so I'm cool. Management has said, hey, Brad, I love your creative ideas. Yeah. This one, it's not going to happen. What if you send your Purge text, but at the end of the whole thing, you write LOL. JK. Is that okay? Yes. Well, I, I started doing that for a while, and I would just put different initials next to it, like <laughs> CR or huh. uh, AM or whoever. Like, just pick a, <laughs> <laughs> just pick an initial. Uh, but I'm thinking, and somebody says here with, with the, uh, with the uh, calling somebody out, uh, it said do it quarterly. Quarterly sounds good. I think that's good. Yeah. That gives you enough that time gives to you build plenty up a of time case. to build up some some anger. Well, do you even have to call someone out? What if the what if the room was a little low on energy and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna have to go down the hallway and fight, you know, King Scott to get the boys going. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll drop the mitts uh, with him just to. I feel like that would add to a toxic company. Yeah. I feel like it. You have to have reason for your beef. And it's got to almost be like rubber stamped by corporate. Be like, yeah, that's gotcha. a legit beef. Yeah, I see. You this. guys can square off next week. This has been well documented. Yeah, he's got his dossier in order. Yeah, and uh, go at it, ding ding. Yeah, because I'd hate to just walk down and like, and he picks King Scott. Like, what if I just grab him, beat up King Scott? That's well, not very nice. You know, I, and he's gonna be mad at me then. He just knows <laughs> I'm trying to get the guys going. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. We got another uh, good text to the Air Comfort Service text line. This is on Purge Friday. That's not going to happen. A couple people said do it. One says, just text us from your own phone. You have our numbers. Yeah, that seems like a good idea for me. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me borrow your phone for a second, Brad. I probably won't. Uh, <laughs> they don't even respond uh, with anything 
you know, negative back to just say green seats. Yeah, <laughs> get a lot of that. Get a lot of that during a game. See you tomorrow, Brad. <laughs> At your home. <laughs> Is that all we got, Marshy? Is all we got time for? Uh, well, it. you know what? Let's do one more. One more. Why not? One more. One hey, more here, question. Over That's true. Time. Let's do it. Question number five. That's a good idea. All right, from the 314, let's say the cards are in first place at the trade deadline. What are the odds the front office, don't laugh, what are the odds that the front office goes out and makes a major move to upgrade a need, like an outfielder, shortstop, frontline starter? So this one, it's impossible to answer because you don't know what the need is at that time, right? If you're in first place, and it's not just first place because you're playing in a division that is very well the Cardinals. You know, it should be the Cardinals Brewers probably going after this one. But if there is a glaring need, they're not going to go out a shortstop. You're not going to go out. If you were going to add a shortstop, you probably could have done that the last two off seasons. Probably should have. But I could see them adding a pitcher if they needed to so i would say yes like if there's a glaring need at the trade deadline i'd say that the odds of them fixing that especially you're you're a first place team with a chance to go win a championship i would feel pretty good about their odds of changing it andrew marsh jamie rivers brad thompson it's fast lane on 101 espn we got a little good idea bad idea nfl edition next we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for another good idea, bad idea. It's good idea, bad idea. It is good idea, bad idea. It's good idea, bad idea, <laughs> NFL edition right here on 101 ESPN. Gauntlet coming up at 4.15 today. That's because what? at 4 o'clock, we've got Jesse Rogers over at ESPN.com breaking down all things baseball. Maybe fill us in a little bit on the Cubbies, what they've done. Will they uh, push the Cardinals at all this year? Jesse Rogers at 4, the Gauntlet at 4.15. Marshy, throw us some good idea, bad ideas. All right, good idea, bad idea. Sean Payton taking over as head coach for the Denver Broncos. It's a good idea. For Did who? you see the contract? He's making anywhere in the neighborhood, they said, of 17 to $20 million a year, even if it doesn't go well. How's he going to make ends meet? I, I know, and I know that he probably wasn't crying poor beforehand, but um, it, it's, it's not ideal, the situation. But I truly do believe that with Russell Wilson, you saw some flashes of a little bit better Russ at the end of the year. Not way better, but a little better. There's no way he totally forgot to play the game of football. He's not hurt. So he maybe he had one of those anomaly years. You spend your whole career somewhere. You get shipped off somewhere else. You're trying to live two lives. He's Mr. Unlimited. And realize that maybe he should just worry about the football guy. And then you can have, you know, you could be Batman or whatever you want to be at night. Um, I think <laughs> I think that... Uh, I think that this is going to be a good spot. They got ownership that's going to spend money, obviously, on him as well. And uh, he's got a quarterback that just a couple of years ago was one of the best in the league. I think it's a good idea. 
Yeah, so I look at it from a variety of ways. One, like if you look at the Denver Broncos, obviously a great idea to bring in Sean Payton. You know, just an amazing offensive-minded head coach, Super Bowl champion head coach at that. If if I'm Sean Payton, man, I, I don't know. I But I, I guess when you're a coach of that magnitude, you look at some of these situations and you almost welcome the project of turning this thing around in Denver. And you're right, BT. Russell Wilson, whether you like him or you don't like him, I are on the side of I don't really like the individual, but he he has been a very good quarterback in the NFL. Um, Maybe this is what he's missing, is a guy like Sean Payton. And, you know, it comes out Russell Wilson apparently was fully supportive of going after Sean Payton or was, like, driving the bus behind the scenes. Who said that? I don't know. No idea. Marshy told me that. Adam Schefter, he said it. Russell Wilson wanted Sean Payton and was pulling for him the whole time. And that the two have worked together at the Pro Bowl, know each other, uh, have wanted to work together in the past, and here they are now getting an opportunity to do that. Yeah, so, but be careful what you wish for, too. Yeah, it was about the $17 million, let's be totally honest. Be careful what you wish for, Russell Wilson, because you may get that coach now in place who sits there and calls you out and pushes you. But either way, good for everybody involved. Guys, I saw a article on Sports Illustrated by Will Raggett about a potential reunion between Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins. Good idea, bad idea. San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan trading Trey Lance for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I say this is a good idea. You have no, a known quantity in uh, Kirk Cousins just for them. Go like, get Aaron Rodgers then if you're going to make a trade. This is the only thing that's on the table. Aaron Rodgers is not on the table here for the good idea, bad idea. Okay? <laughs> right. And he's too busy with 100 hands all over him to even pick up the phone. So... Uh, I think it's a good idea. Trey Lance, who knows? Maybe he ends up being great. Maybe he ends up being nothing. But your team is ready to win now. And you don't have Purdy. You won't have Garoppolo. And you definitely, you know, Trey Lance, who the hell knows what he's going to look like. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, if we're basing it off this I like question your idea and this better, question totally alone. Honest. Yeah, I mean, then sure, that's a good idea. Um, otherwise, though, I, I, I would look elsewhere for this particular exercise. Yeah, because again, Purdy's going to be out six to eight months. So How about I mean, that crap sandwich for that kid? Oh, boy. Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. Relevant to now he's six to eight months. He, he, may, he may never start again as a quarterback. Oh, it could easily happen. Because of where he'll fall in the food chain. You get Wally pipped. Yeah. Bring somebody in. All of a sudden, that works really well. Or Trey Lance takes those strides and then takes the job that he was drafted yeah. to go do. I feel bad for Brock Purdy, man. Oh. Not good. Brad, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Good idea, bad idea. Aaron Rodgers joining former OC Nathaniel Hackett in the Jets via trade. This feels like a bad idea to me. It just feels like... Why is that, Brad? Well... (laughs) What what history do you have? History. Just history. (laughs) Like, just, just history overall is what I've got with this. Now, Hackett, I, I get it. Everybody, the the arrows are pointing that direction. It makes sense. And actually, they, they're a much improved team. I think there are better landing spots for Aaron Rodgers. Bad idea. Yeah, I think it's a bad idea, too. If I, Especially if I'm Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to... It's not that the Jets are horrible because they, they, like you said, Brad, they've taken steps. But overall, man, there's better places to go and finish your career and prove a point or put an exclamation point on your resume. So I'd say bad idea. 
Guys, good idea, bad idea. Tom Brady retiring with the state of the NFC. Uh, with the state of the NFC? Bad idea. Because I think Tom Brady is a guy right there. You could go 49ers route. Or, you know, just take a look at some of the teams that need a quarterback. Uh, Tom Brady could easily go from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to another team and be a contender right away. So as far as that's concerned, it's a bad idea. But the man is, what, 45, 46 years old, played 23 years uh, in the league. He's been bumped up pretty good. So I don't know. For that case, good idea. It's a bad idea in general. You gave up your family. You got a divorce because you picked football and then you picked it for a year. You just did speed dating with football for one year so you could lose your family. Makes no sense. I mentioned it earlier. The evidence doesn't support the decision. This guy was third in the league in passing last year. I do understand that sometimes your heart's just not in it anymore and you know. And he has the opportunity to walk off, be on top of the world, and then sign his contract with Fox and make $37 million a year. That's pretty good if you have that sort of a, a landing spot. I think it's a bad idea. He could go win himself another championship if he wanted to. All right, last one, guys. Good idea, bad idea. Taking the Chiefs at plus one and a half in the Super Bowl. I'm going great idea with this. Yes. I just keep going with best player on the field. And for me, it's Mahomes. Even with the ankle, uh, he was able to move. He's got two weeks now to get ready for this game. Uh, the Eagles look so good, and they look good on both sides of the ball. I still think getting points, and it's, it's minimal at plus one and a half, I'm leaning good idea. Yeah, so the biggest thing for me that pushes me towards the Chiefs and by thinking that this is a good idea is I just, the Eagles had a good season, but they're coming off a game to where I really don't know where they rank because the 49ers didn't, literally didn't have a quarterback for the entire game. The second set of downs is where Brock Purdy. Six, it was Brock the Purdy, sixth play, right? Six yeah. offensive play. So the rest of the game, you're going with a journeyman quarterback who then also got hurt. So now you're back to your QB with a bad elbow who can only throw the ball about four yards. So I just don't know if the Eagles are as good as the odds makers are, are making them to be. So based on that alone, I'd take the Chiefs at plus 1.5 all day long. That's good idea, bad idea. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson all here with you. We were giving out some grades earlier to uh, baseball teams. Cardinals got a C+. Plus. They really earned that plus part of it. Jamie might have some grades. Well, he's at least going to evaluate some of the forwards. Yesterday... Broke down the defense a little bit. It's the forward group. Nobody's getting straight A's. I can just tell you that right now as the principal. We'll talk about the forward group, how what they're doing, what to expect next on 101. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter is going to be back next week. He's in Disney World losing every dollar that he has. <laughs> Having fun, though, Brad. Have, making memories, taking pictures, smiling through sadness. It's Disney. Uh, speaking of smiling through sadness, aren't you happy it's the All-Star break, Jamie? I like, am. A little time off. I'm guessing that maybe uh, the players are happy. They get a little bit of a breather. Maybe the coaching staff, happy that they get a little time off to uh, reflect and get ready for the second half. 
But you do have to look at, and this is kind of part of the evaluation process. The job's never over. Like It's not like Craig Berube and the staff are like, boom, boom shut it down. Uh, I bet he's not enjoying it as much right now as if they're on a five-game winning streak. You think? You think? Yeah. And there's a constant evaluation, right? You're always looking at your team, looking at who can improve, how can you improve, how do I put guys in better positions to succeed. But as you're evaluating the team, and I know you broke down the defense yesterday, when you're evaluating this forward group, where do you start? Like, what stands out to you? Is there any good? Can we start with good? <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's obviously good. and, and the I, go- You say obviously, but what's good? Well, Cairo and Thomas's offensive numbers okay. are good. All right. Um, you know, Robert Thomas uh, right now on the shelf. That's he nuts. Took a, yeah, it really is. He took a shot in the Liberty Bells there. Can't... Uh, can't confirm or deny any of the injuries, but he hasn't played since. He'll be back. Yeah, probably a lot like that, too. Uh, so Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, and uh, Jordan Cairo. For me, if you're looking from the offensive standpoint, that's a positive. You know, they, you know Jordan Cairo's almost got a point a game. Robert Thomas is right near that pace. Booch is at a point a game. So those guys have driven your team offensively. Uh, from there, though, like if you look at the overall game, the consistency just hasn't been there from the forward group. Like, if you're not getting the offense from those three, Braden Shen has done a good job offensively. Specifically, recently, he's done a good job. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, he's coming back from injury, but still, he hasn't scored since coming back. He's had plenty of opportunities. I feel like there's a substantial drop off with your offensive punch. So, if I'm looking at this group. Specifically, if you're comparing it to last year, mm-hmm. where you had you know nine twenty goal scores, and I know that maybe that year was a bit of an outlier. Maybe uh, you know some of the goals, not that they were lucky, but they went in, they found a home. You know, Ivan Barbashev had twenty, what twenty six goals last year. He's got nine so far this year. Doesn't mean he can't get to twenty goals this year, uh, but he's going to have to pick up the pace. So for me, the overall, um, the overall. I guess, thought is that they've been inconsistent. Even if this offense was consistent this year, and I know you broke down the defense yesterday, how much would it really matter with the way that this team has played as a whole? Well, they'd have to – yeah, you're right. They would have to be putting up astronomical goals for because they're giving up so many goals against. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL as far as goals per game allowed, and that's not going to help you. So even if you did have the 920 goal scorers – yeah, there's probably a small percentage of games that you're winning uh, because you outscored the opposition, but you're still you're giving up too much on the defensive side, and that's what's costing you right now. It's the mental lapses, it's the lacking coverage, it's the defensive side of the game that hasn't been great. But that also, for me, it falls on the forwards too, and that's why, like, when we break down the defensemen yesterday, it's not all on them. The defensive lapses. It starts with the forwards. They're the first line of defense, especially if you're putting the puck in the right places. They should have the forecheck established, and you should have the neutral zone forecheck, defensive zone. All of that's five-man units. But what's happening is there's turnovers that are happening. There's lack of coverage. There's uh, lack of awareness at times of who's open and where to go, sometimes decision-making. So that falls on the group, uh, the entire group of players, that they're not playing consistent enough defensively. And I think that, too, affects the numbers offensively. They're spending a lot more time not with the puck. When the other team's in your end for an extended period of time, you don't have a chance to score a goal because you don't have the puck. And I find that that's happening uh, a little too often for the Blues where they're chasing the game around in their own end. And by the time you get the puck back, guys are tired. You chip it out, get a line change. 
but now the other team's got the puck again, so you start all the way over again. So the defensive side's a big part of the inconsistencies for the offense, too. So uh, when we're talking about this forward group, uh, oftentimes out of sight, out of mind, but when you're the captain, you're not out of mind. You're always thinking about what it's, what what's next. First of all, is who he's going to be playing for, potentially, as the yeah, trade deadline yeah, yeah. looms in a month. He very well could be wearing another uniform. But even before he ended up getting hurt, the offensive numbers weren't what he was hoping for and what the Blues were hoping for. When you watch Ryan O'Reilly early this year, what was missing in his game? You know, for, for Ryan O'Reilly, I think the, the, the biggest obstacle was finding chemistry with line mates. And it, it's not him. It's just the fact that, you know, for the first, what, seven-ish games – Craig Berube really wanted Jordan Cairo to be able to play with Ryan O'Reilly. Oil and water. Understand, yeah, understandably so, because you wanted a really solid top six forwards. It just didn't work. And I think since then, it's been a bit of a revolving door on, on the wing for Ryan O'Reilly. They found some chemistry with Josh Levo and Brandon Saad, but Levo, you know, doesn't have the offensive punch needed at the NHL level. He's a good player. He's a great third, fourth line player. But now you've got that playing with, you know, one of your best centermen who's looking to generate some offense, looking to turn things on offensively. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing is that the, he hasn't been able to ultimately find that chemistry that he had with a guy like David Perron. It doesn't mean he won't. It doesn't mean he can't. It's just that it hasn't happened yet. And I think that's affected Ryan O'Reilly. He's Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh, the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We have a later version of the gauntlet. Okay, 415 is going to be the gauntlet today because coming up next, we've got Jesse Rogers from ESPN. Uh, Jesse covers the Cubs, covers the White Sox, covers all things baseball. We'll get into the Central Division and everything else. Maybe, uh, you know, we'll ask a national guy, Jamie, about you wanting Shohei Otani. I like it. We'll let Jesse Rogers shut that one down. Jesse's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. the fast lane on 101 ESPN alongside Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson here with you and we continue our Cardinal baseball in general conversations. We head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. We bring in ESPN.com's own Jesse Rogers. Jesse covers the White Sox, the Cubs, everything Major League Baseball that's coming out of ESPN. Uh, Jesse Rogers is all over it. Jesse, how you doing today, man? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to spring training. Uh, the calendar has turned to February, so pitchers and catchers are around the corner. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and you know how it is here in St. Louis. Everybody's geeked up about it all off-season long, and now that uh, everybody's getting their plans uh, to go to Jupiter, Florida, and watch some spring training, everybody's ready to talk some baseball. Jesse, I don't think that we've had the opportunity to talk to you since the Cardinals did go out. Their big, really lone free agent acquisition this offseason was bringing in Wilson Contreras. You know Wilson. You've covered him for years. What are Cardinal fans, what should the Cardinal fans expect out of Wilson Contreras? Well, he's, he's an emotional player. You're going to see him sort of ride that wave and most of the time that benefits him right but once in a while an emotional player can 
can sort of get himself into some trouble. I think he, that, that happened earlier in his career more than now. He'd get in trouble with umpires, sometimes even teammates. I'm sure as Cardinal fans, you guys didn't always like his act. But when he's on your team, you kind of enjoy it. But we're separate from that. You're going to get a, a, a good bat behind the plate, a position where you don't normally get it. Now, you can't play him 150 games squatting behind the plate. I mean, nobody does that anymore. So you got to rotate him in and out of catcher and uh, DH and give him some days off. But he'll be a solid addition offensively. And the thing is, you don't need him to be the big leader that Yachty was. You have leaders in that locker room. I think one reason the Cubs kind of moved on is they weren't sure if he could lead – sort of a young team out of a rebuild at a mini mini rebuild that they're going that they're going through that the Cardinals don't need him to be that guy and I suppose sometimes if you're sort of volatile in terms of that kind of emotion that maybe that doesn't lend itself to the to the true leadership now I, I'm actually a, a Contreras guy I think the, the Cubs saw more warts in his game that that than there were I think he's matured over the years so I wasn't quite sure why they they were so quick to move on and I think it says a lot that he didn't just kind of sneak away to the Marlins on some undervalued deal. He went to a very good organization. So um, I mentioned this on my own radio station last night. I'll say this. If you're into the betting thing, take the over on the prop bets when it comes to Wilson Contreras playing against the Cubs this year. Because <laughs> I think this guy's going to have a chance. The Cubs said goodbye to him. And a great organization like St. Louis says hello. But you, you'll like him. And you, you'll like the emotion. Who doesn't like emotion? But you'll definitely like the right-handed power he he has from a position you don't normally get it at. Hey, I guess it doesn't matter at this point, but with all the turnover that the Cubs have had over the last few years, why didn't they trade Contreras at the deadline? They just didn't like what they heard back. Uh, Houston kind of balked. You you heard about that story after the World Series that came out. Um, You know, Jed doesn't think he was asking for a huge return. Others would just, but I'll tell you, I, I know that the Cubs were interested in a player, a pitcher for the Rays who was um, recovering from Tommy John surgery, and the Rays wouldn't give him up. So there was kind of a disconnect about the value. I mean, it, it is a tough call when it comes to catchers midseason, right? You don't see a lot of first stringers get traded. You see some backups for depth and all that. You know, you need a guy in September, even in October, you trade for a third string kind of guy. But First string guys learning a new pitching staff, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I mean, if, if, are you trading for a DH or are you trading for a first string catcher? And I'm sure Jed was asking for first string catcher type returns, but I know that um, teams weren't giving up a, a lot for him, maybe because they weren't sure how they were going to use him. So that's basically why he wasn't traded. Jesse, uh, here in Cardinal Nation, you know, the fan base and all of us, quite honestly, we're always watching what the other teams in the Central Division are doing, specifically in the offseason and at the trade deadline. The Cubs had themselves a pretty good offseason. The Cardinals, we just talked about acquiring Contreras, but... For you, being in in a different market, and as you look in at the St. Louis Cardinals, do you feel like the Cardinals have done enough to be the division favorite? Yes, to that question. If you want to advance it, though, and say and ask, did, did they do enough to jump into uh, those elite teams? I count seven elite teams in baseball. And we're in an era where there's some really good teams, including the Cardinals, and then there's some really bad teams. Like, there's a huge divide. And then above the Cardinals, I, I think there's about seven elite teams. I, I would say the three NL East teams are among them. Houston, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and Padres. That's kind of my elite group. 
And then those other five that made the playoffs last year, including the Cardinals, are kind of the next tier down. But that's just me talking. I don't, I don't I, you know. But in terms of the division, I think they're okay. I think they're okay. The Cubs are probably a year or two away from really showing off a 90-win-plus season. Uh, Milwaukee kind of treads water because they don't spend. But it's really about October more than it is getting there, right, in a lot of ways if you're a Cardinal fan. You're thinking World Series championships. I'm not sure that they're better than the Phillies, the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, you know, those teams that were better than them last year but they are good enough for this division, in my opinion. Jesse, I'm interested in what uh, you talk about the, the Cubs being a year or so away, and big additions this year. Dansby Swanson is the one that everybody looks at, but you bring in Bellinger. It could be a great reclamation product uh, uh, project, especially uh, in that ballpark. Trey Mancini, a veteran. Jameson Tyone ends up shoring up some things in the rotation. What is the next step for the Cubs? Is it waiting for some young players to graduate and take that next step, or is it another big dive into free agency for them no it's the first thing you said that's really that's really been the plan jet has had since he broke up the 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 last group with rizzo and those guys it's really been to to sort of um tread water until the next group is ready I, i mentioned this the other day to a show that um the day you knew exactly what the cubs were up to it came in uh now i'm forgetting the date but it was uh december of 20 december of 20 is when this team traded you Darvish. Now, it wasn't just that they traded you Darvish. It's who they got back for him. It wasn't two AAA major league ready players that were going to help them, you know, right away. It was four teenagers that haven't even sniffed AAA yet. And that was back in 20. So you knew this was going to be a longer term thing when they traded a pitcher at his peak. For four guys, I think it was 16, 17, 17, and maybe maybe a 20-year-old, it was guys far from being major league ready. And so with those four you know, sort of making their way through the system, all the, the guys they traded for Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, making their way through the system, that's really where the peak contention of this group is going to look like. That's why Bellinger's one year. Mancini basically won maybe two years. You know, there's options involved there. Um, Hosmer one year, you know, it, they're place fillers, but if they all show, you know, previous form, all of a sudden this is an 80 plus win team. That's the problem with predicting the Cubs. I mean, we just don't know about these projects in, in Bellinger and Hosmer, even, even Mancini, you know, all those three guys I just mentioned, who knows they've had good years. They've also had bad years. Um, so their peak contention is really a few years away when those minor league players are ready. Jesse, do you think that what we're going to see in this division, and look, this is not uh, the NL East for sure when, when you're looking at it, uh, the the Pirates and the Reds both lost 100 games last year. They both have exciting young prospects, and you just mentioned some of the young prospects, the exciting prospects that the Cubs have as well. Are we going to see a time in the next handful of years where this could potentially be a competitive division top to bottom, or are we just going to continue to have the bottom feeders? Yeah, I mean, you can never say never. I, I do think Pittsburgh has gathered up a bunch of good prospects. I mean, eventually, teams like the Pirates and Reds will have a little bit of a run, right? The problem with the teams that don't spend, including Milwaukee, is those runs are short-lived, and then they have to start over again. The Pirates are a great example, right? Last, early last decade, they were pretty good. I mean, all the way through 2015, they've been perennially rebuilding since then. Milwaukee's been really good for an extended period of time because I think David Stearns, made the most of the money he could spend there. Now, he's kind of moving on. We'll see how long Milwaukee can last 
as Woodruff and Burns get a little bit more expensive, but they may have to have a retool. So, you know, it's almost about timing. There might be a point where four of the five teams kind of all are sort of peeking through rebuilds because that's what we're seeing. Um, Other than St. Louis, they never rebuild. But I can't tell you for sure we're going to see top to bottom a competitive division anytime soon. Jesse, you mentioned heading down to spring training soon. Everybody's getting ready. Uh, baseball has got a chance to look a little bit different this year. We got a new set of rules. You got the pitch timer, limited shifts, bigger bases. How much different, Jesse, do you think this game is going to look? How much faster do you think it, it will play? Or, or maybe do you feel like it'll be much of the same? No, I think it's going to look dramatically different at first, and I think we will all get used to it Used to it in, in short order. I'm writing about this again at ESPN.com. It's kind of what my thing you know, nationally to write about is these rule changes. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by how players will adjust, and um, all the evidence in the minors are uh, two- or threefold. One, they adjust pretty quickly. The violations go down pretty quickly. Fans get used to it pretty quickly. It's all, and this is why in spring training, guys, there are, it's the beauty of our sport that there's 30 plus spring training games to enact new rules. There's going to be no grace period. There's going to be no warnings. The umpires are going to, the letter of the law right off the bat, because the league feels the quicker they do that, the quicker they enforce these rules, the quicker everybody will get used to them. And their hope is, you know, by April 1st, it's it's not looking all that bad and the game flows and everything else. I think high leverage veteran relievers are still going to have some issues into the season, but eventually everybody will get used to it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how spring training goes down because there are no warnings. It's it's go. The, the one area, and it won't matter much in spring training, is, is that, that umpires will have some discretion is weather. When we get deep into the summer, and there's a pitcher that's just dying out there, even a hitter that's you know fouled off 10 pitches, I think umpires are going to give some leeway in terms of that pitch timer when, when weather impacts you know what's going on. And I'm talking usually right 100-degree type of weather. Other than that, it's full-blown rules on, and, and we're going to see it from day one, and I'm interested to see how quickly these players adjust. He's Jesse Rogers. You can read all of his work at ESPN.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. Jesse, we appreciate your time today, and hopefully we'll see you in spring training. You got it. I'll be down in Jupiter, I think, right about February 20th when full squads report. So looking forward to it. Right on. I will see you down there. Jesse, thank you again. You got it. That's Jesse Rogers ESPN. We've got a late edition of the gauntlet. It is coming up right now. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? It is a later edition of the Gauntlet right here in the Fast Lane 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson all here with you. Anthony Stalter will be back next week. And then Jamie Rivers will be off to Mexico. Yeah, baby. You're going to have a good time. I am. Speaking of good times, again, it is the Gauntlet. Now, fellas, I got to tell you something. You know I listen all the time. But I haven't heard (laughs) the new Gauntlet. Okay, so there are new rules. You're going to have to break it down for me as we welcome our good buddy, Tom, who is in. Tom, how you doing? 
fine. How are you, Brad? I'm doing great. We're good. We're I'm good. pretty excited about this whole event. Gentlemen, how does this go down? All right, so Gauntlet 2.0 uh, is where the contestant picks who they want to challenge. Okay. And then the wheel picks the category. So, for example, if today someone were to choose, if Tom were to choose you, Brad okay. Thompson, you would become the opponent, you leave the room. We spin the wheel. So I don't even know until I come in? Correct. <laughs> That's awesome. Correct. I like it. And that. then you would have to take on Tom in wherever the wheel lands, that category. Oh, oh, this is fantastic. So it's a gauntlet for both sides, quite honestly. Let's go. All right. So, All right, Tom, who do you want today? Yeah, who do you want, Tom? Well, I have some unfinished business with Mr. Thompson, so I'm going with Brad. Oh, unfinished? What did he do to you, Tom? Oh, the first week of the Gauntlet a couple of years ago, he beat me by two points on a Michael Jordan question. Oh, wow. Goats. That's what goats do, it you is. know? All right, well, goat, get the heck out of here. All right, sounds like somebody finished just fine. <laughs> See you in a bit, Tom. <laughs> All right. All right, so. Please don't be hockey. As BT makes his way. I want hockey. Into Dakota <laughs> Silence. Tom, at the count of three, I want you to say, spin that wheel, Marshy. One. Two, three. Spin that wheel, Marshy. Ooh, aggressive. Marshy's getting aggressive with this wheel. Takes forever, too. All right. The wheel goes round and round. She goes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys, you got hockey, Tom. Cool. Uh, poor BT. This is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> All right. So uh, it goes like this now, Tom. I know you understand how it works. But yes, sir. for those who don't, we've got uh, four questions here. Each question will be worth two points if you answer it without the options. If you use the options, answer it correctly, it's worth one point. And if you answer it incorrectly, well, of course, you get zero. If you're tied after four questions, there'll be a tiebreaker. And, Tom, we will get a winner here today. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, buddy. You ready to go? Yes, sir. All right. Category hockey, question one. In last year's NHL All-Star game, who won the hardest shot competition with a 103.2 mile per hour slap shot? Options. All right. Was it Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, or Victor Hedman? Hedman. Final answer? Final answer. All right, buddy. Question number two, Tom. The Washington Capitals will play the Carolina Hurricanes in the stadium series this month. Who hosted the stadium series last year? Dallas Stars. Is that your final answer? Final answer. All right, Tom. Question three. Who was the last forward to win the Conn Smythe Trophy? Options. Was it Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, or Ryan O'Reilly? I was thinking all right, give me Ryan O'Reilly. Final answer. All right. Final question for you, Tom. Before coming to the Blues, Nathan Walker won a Stanley Cup with what team? I know the answer, Bob. Give me the options. Your options are the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Chicago Blackhawks, or the Washington Capitals. Not who I was thinking. Give me the Penguins. Final answer. All right, Tom. Let's call in BT here. 
we're not going to tell them what the category is. We're just going to read the question, and we're going to get a great <laughs> reaction, okay? Sounds good. All right. If BT makes his way back in here, he's got his coffee. He looks well-rested. Hamstrings look a little tight on poor BT. Let me say it. <laughs> Why'd you have to do that? Hang on. Why'd you have to do the hamstring thing? Tom's got something to say to you. Tom, what's happening? Pack a lunch. <laughs> He's right <laughs> out. We got pack a lunch by Tom. I'm yeah. limping into this place. Right, right. away. All right, BT. All right, so wait. You ready? So, yeah, what's the category? I don't know. We'll find out. I, I don't get to find out until you no. start asking a question. <laughs> yep. That's how we roll here. <laughs> Golly. Question one. In last year's NHL All-Star Game, <laughs> who won the hardest shot competition with a 103.2 mile per hour slap shot? Oh, my God. I think I know this one. Who had the hard one? But I, you know, just for sake of time, yeah. I can rattle off all of the hardest shots in the NHL, like the back of my hand. But I'll take the options just in case, again, for time. Okay. Was it Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, or Victor Hedman? Gimme Hedman. Uh, I think it was uh, Victor Hedman that had the hardest shot. Yep. Question number two. The Washington Capitals will play the Carolina Hurricanes in the stadium series this month. Who hosted the stadium series last year? Boy, man, there have been so many beautiful stadium series that have been out there, not not the Winter Classic, but the Stadium Series. As you all know, they're different things. Um, Dodgers have one a couple of years ago. It's pretty impressive. Wasn't last year, though. I am going to say that the last Stadium Series was held by options, please. <laughs> those, those options I'm are. I'm leaning towards one. I'm leaning towards one. It might be on the list. All right. The Nashville Predators, the Colorado Avalanche, or the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, I just didn't even understand the question at all. I was going to pick a venue. <laughs> <laughs> so the Predators, the Flyers, or who? The Avalanche. Flyers or Avalanche? Give me the Avalanche. Final answer? Yeah, sure. All right. Question three, BT. Who was the last forward to win the Conn Smythe Trophy? Last forward to win the con smite. Boy, there have been so many. Ryan O'Reilly won one of those. Pretty impressive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> looking for a poker towel. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ryan O'Reilly. Final the answer? Last four yes. All right. A couple years ago. Boy, I hope that's right. Final question, BT. Before coming to the Blues, Nathan Walker won a Stanley Cup with what team? Australia. No, uh, um, Stanley Cup. Uh, oh, Stanley Cup. Old Woxie. <laughs> <laughs> Where was? Yeah, he's, he's bounced around so much, that little bugger. Um, <laughs> I'll, take wallaby. The, I'll take the options. <laughs> Your options are the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Chicago Blackhawks, or the Washington Capitals. He was with the Washington Capitals. Final answer. All right. Let's start right there. Before coming to the Blues, Nathan Walker won a Stanley Cup with what team? Tom, you took the options. You said the Penguins. BT, you took the options. You said the Washington Capitals. That's right. The answer is 
It's the Washington Capitals. Yeah, it was. It was Washington Capitals. Obviously. BT up one, nothing. We'll go to question one. In last year's NHL All-Star game, who won the hardest shot competition with a 103.2 mile per hour slap shot? Tommy took the options, said Victor Hedman. BT took the options, said Victor Hedman. The answer is? It's Victor Hedman. It is Victor Hedman. So we've got BT up right now. Two to one. Let's go to the next question. The Washington Capitals will play the Carolina Hurricanes in the stadium series this month. Who hosted the stadium series last month? BT. You said Colorado. The Avs with the options. Tom without the options. Said Dallas. The answer is? It's the Nashville Predators. Yeah, Nashville oh, Predators. Boy. So Nashville, yeah. I think it's in last year. I didn't pay attention. Two to one. Final question. Who is the last forward to win the Conn Smythe Trophy? Tom, you said Ryan O'Reilly. BT, you said Ryan O'Reilly. Tom? You have chosen poorly. You lose. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly is the answer. BT didn't need the options. Tom, you did need the options. So final score here of four to two. BT got you today. Yeah, he did. He, I guess I'll, he got my number, so I'll give him that much. <laughs> Tom, we appreciate you being in the gauntlet, and uh, you can call me Mr. Hockey from here on out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> nope, stick with baseball. Tom, thank you, man. Thanks for uh, participating. You're welcome. Have a good day, fellas. You right, too. Thanks, Tom. Boys, I got to uh, tell you. I have uh, I've been a part of many a gauntlet, okay? Uh-huh. Won some, lost some, great victories, bad defeats. I've never felt better <laughs> than I feel right now winning my first gauntlet in hockey. Is this what you feel like all the time, Jamie? <laughs> this is awesome. It was great. It was just so easy, you know? <laughs> when you came out with the Ryan O'Reilly without the options, I'm like, this is it. This is so a game breaker. We did we did a Ryan O'Reilly segment the other day, and obviously I'm digging into Ryan O'Reilly, and that popped up. Not the fact that he was the last one to do no, it, but, but just that he won. Remember that he did win it. Yeah. And uh, shoot or shoot, sometimes you got to go for it every once in a while. And everybody knew about Hedman, uh, obviously. Obviously. And, boy, rockets! That guy's firing off. So um, that felt good. That felt good. So I bet it would. Yeah, I got Tom twice now. Yep. Two times. He's sad. He's going to come back. He, he For sure. told me to pack a lunch, and he, Tom's not a quitter. I know that much. No. So Tom will be back. So thank BT, you again I'm proud of you. to Tom. Yeah, thank you. It felt good. It felt really good. All right. So we were just talking to Jesse Rogers over at ESPN.com about the division, about the Cubs. Who is going to push the Cardinals in this division? Or is it just going to be an easy sprint to the finish line? We're going to talk about that next. Because I think that we're undervaluing a team that we shouldn't. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers. 
Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson here with you in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. And uh, look, we realize that the NL Central is not the NL East. It's not this juggernaut, top to bottom, duke it out type well, of the division. The teams are located more in the middle of the country, so it can't be the East. It's actually right? a ridiculously good point. Yeah. Since uh, they've I mean, changed it'll never over the be years. the East for that matter. The Cardinals have played in the East before, but there has been realignment ever since then so you're right it's not going back to it okay so that's good point yeah uh regionally very good point uh but as far as depth goes it was the only division last year where you had two teams lose a hundred games that's what the reds did that's what the pirates did both of them would like to take steps forward chances are they won't be giant leaps forward at least not right now with all of the young talent so the question is who is going to push the Cardinals in this division this year? Cardinals won 93 games last year. The Brewers came in at 86 and 76. They were seven games back. The Cubs, 74 and 88, ended up 19 games back of the Cardinals. Cardinals win the division for the first time in the last three years. I think that many people look at this division and say it is the Cardinals for the taking. Now, I read a piece recently and I want to say it was at MLB.com. Will Leach actually picked the Brewers as his guy. And Leach is a, a Cardinal guy, but he picked the Brewers as the team to end up winning the division this year. Is that the Why only would he team? Do that? Because. Like, what did he base it off of? I don't know. Just wondering because I'm well, looking at what he based it off of is still the the nucleus of starting pitching that they have. Because anytime that you're starting off something and you've got guys like Corbin Burns and you're rolling out Woodruff and you still have Freddie Fastballs, Freddie Peralta, who's by the way has got a slider now and it's really good. They've got they they picked up Miley. They've got Eric Lauer. They have a lot of depth in that rotation that will end up keeping a team afloat for sure. And then they made some sneaky moves. Like I, I think that the Brewers are actually the team. They would have still been in the mix, in my opinion, had they not traded away Hader last year. That was a really weird trade, and I get it. Josh Hader was not pitching the way that they wanted him to. He was struggling a little bit. They knew that he was going to cost more money. They're a, a cash-strapped place. They really need more out of Christian Yelich because they ponied up for him and really can't afford a lot more talent there. But... The lineup is going to be better. Their pickup of William Contreras in that three-way deal where they ended up getting Wilson's brother from the Braves, that's a really good pickup for them. They also picked up Jesse Winker. He's going to make up for, for some of the, the lost, uh, lost offense when Hunter Renfro got dealt. They picked up some good pieces, and they're already kind of a scrappy team anyhow. I feel like the Brewers have a very good chance, just like they did early on last year, to keep pushing the Cardinals. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking – look, for me, when I look at this division, especially right now, it's Cardinals to lose. That's what I look – I mean, really. A, and and it should be. That's the way that I it mean, should based be. Based on the roster construction alone. And, yeah, the, the Brewers have – a better starting rotation, but it's it's not like the Cardinals have a bad rotation. They're 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 good. They're a solid rotation, but that's not for me. That's not going to be the difference maker on long haul of the season. I think the Cardinals are just a better team overall. I, I would agree. Look, you got the MVP and you got the guy that was third in the MVP in your lineup. You're going to be set up pretty well. Then you bring in Wilson Contreras, a known stick, and then you have a lot of upside with some of your young players. And as we've talked about in the past, I talked to Alex Ferrario about this as I was filling in on BK and Ferrario last week. 
that's your difference. Like your difference is going to be the the players that the Cardinals have, like Dylan Carlson and Newt and Gorman and Yepes, potentially Jordan Walker, Tyler O'Neill, Jack Flaherty, all of these guys. To like not all of them at the same time. If you do that, you have an epic team. There's your hundred win team. If everybody yeah. uh, tears it up, but you have to have some of these guys really graduate and get up to that next level. That's what pushes you over the edge. But what about the Cubs? Like the Cubs were one of the most active teams when you're looking at uh, the offseason. They brought in some help in their rotation in Jamison Tyone, who's a nice pickup. Uh, he was pitching for the Yankees the last few years. Cardinal fans remember him uh, when he was with the Pirates for years. That poor guy. And then he went <laughs> on to uh, more talented teams. Uh, but they pick up Dansby Swanson. They bring in Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal. They bring in Trey Mancini on a deal. Like they added a lot of pieces. So we were talking to Jesse Rock. Rodgers from ESPN. He covers the Cubs. He covers the White Sox, but he covers all things baseball. Uh, Are are the Cubs ready to make that step? Like, can the Cubs get to that point where they're pushing the Cardinals? Jesse, your thoughts? No, it's the first thing you said. That's really... That's really been the plan Jed has had since he broke up the, the, the last group with Rizzo and those guys. It's really been to to sort of um, tread water until the next group is ready. I, I mentioned this the other day to a show that um, the day you knew exactly what the Cubs were up to, it came in, uh, now I'm forgetting the date, but it was uh, December of 20. December of 20 is when this team traded you Darvish. Now, it wasn't just that they traded you Darvish. It's who they got back from. It wasn't two AAA major league ready players that were going to help them, you know, right away. It was four teenagers that haven't even sniffed AAA yet. And that was back in 20. So you knew this was going to be a longer term thing when they traded a pitcher at his peak for four guys. I think it was 16, 17, 17, and maybe, maybe a 20 year old. It was guys far from being major league ready. And so with those four you know, sort of making their way through the system. All the, the guys they traded for Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, making their way through the system. That's really where the peak contention of this group is going to look like. That's why Bellinger's one year. Mancini basically one, maybe two years. You know, there's options involved there. Um, Hosmer, one year. You know, it, they're place fillers. But if they all show, you know, previous form, all of a sudden this is an 80-plus win team. That's the problem with predicting the Cubs. I mean, we just don't know about these projects in in Bellinger and Hosmer even even Mancini you know all those three guys I just mentioned who knows they've had good years they've also had bad years Um, so their peak contention is really a few years away when those minor league players are ready yeah look it's been a lot of things with him and I threw to the wrong cut that's on me be totally honest with you I was supposed to throw to one that said something about the Cardinals yeah Uh, so the the Cubs have not done enough to like push at this point let me ask you this BT there are a lot of ifs surrounding some of the guys they brought in. Like, if they can, if Cody Bellinger can bounce back. Isn't Trey, that annoying? <laughs> Trey Mancy. No, but there is. But I look at it and I go, if, I hate that word, but if those guys have good seasons or they bounce back and have the seasons that they've had in the past, like, how much noise can the Cubs make at that point? Well, they, especially a guy like Bellinger with the pop that he has, Mancini with the pop that he has. In that ballpark, they can do some damage. I think that where the Cubs are, are going, to, going to fall short is 
in their pitching staff, specifically their starters. They still have Marcus Stroman, the aforementioned Jameson Tyone. They bring him in on a four-year deal. After that, you're kind of relying on uh, some some younger guys. Justin Steele, they like the lefty. They do have Drew Smiley. Uh, they have Keegan Thompson. They've got a little bit of depth. But, I mean, there's there's nobody right now that you're really scared of in that rotation. I know that we said the same thing about the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have the offensive depth that the Cubs don't have. Even if things go to plan and some of these guys bounce back, it's still kind of an older group. Like I would expect a better year and hopefully for them, a not injured year for say Suzuki uh, coming into his second year. I think that'll be good. Ian Happ is still a good piece. I was really thinking that at the deadline they might move him even though he had one more year left on his deal but I, I just feel like they're a year away and that's kind of something that Jesse Rogers was saying too they're waiting for some of these young players to graduate to the big league level because they've made a couple of dips into free agency they get their shortstop for the foreseeable future who knows maybe Bellinger tears it up there and they sign him to an extension or do something like there are different options that they end up having but this looks like a Cardinal Brewer race and the the biggest question for me not putting the cart before the horse is what are the Cardinals going to be able to do or who ends up emerging for this Cardinal team to not only make them the best team in the Central, but makes them one of the best teams in baseball? That's going to be one of the biggest questions that we're going to follow all season long. We've got a lot of questions about your team, Jamie. The well, I was going to come up with one of the 70 teams that you played for, the Croatian Croatians. Yeah. Or... The Finlandian Finners. No, nope, didn't play there. At you would have. Not yet. Had they called. Had they called. You would have gone play. there. Yes. We got a lot of questions about the Blues. We got a guy that's got all of the answers. And we're going to find out. We're going to find a bright spot. We're going to find something to look forward to. Because Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, JR's got all the bright spots. Rainbows and unicorns. That's what he is. Mm. Mr. Unicorn is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. With Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We bring in our good buddy from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. JR, what's happening, my man? How's All-Star break treating you? Oh, very good. This is a familiar voice. Good to hear you, buddy. Thank you. It's, it was good to good to see you. Now, you big league me at the, uh, the event over the Uh-oh. weekend. Uh, I saw you. I waved, and you were in a conversation <laughs> as we were at uh, uh, the championship bash over at Helen Fitzgerald. But it was good to see you at the very least. I did see you out of the corner. Of my, no, <laughs> I, I was just uh, avoiding you. How are you doing? Okay. I, I, that was a blast. That was a good time. Thanks for uh, 101 uh, for having us over there. And Helen Fitzgerald's a good time. And got to see a good game there, a couple of good games. Yes, it was great. And something that you haven't had an opportunity to see while watching Blues hockey, right? Oh. Like, like good, <laughs> hey, good come games. on, man. Come on, Brad. Come on. Right. I said, Jamie, let him go there. I said nice. it so you guys don't have to, Play okay? Nice, I will do this. But, JR, I don't know if you heard us leading in to uh, bringing you on, but like I know this about you. You're incredibly positive. You always see the bright side of everything. So we're sitting here in the All-Star break. This team's lost five games in a row. They they are in desperate need of a reset. What can we look forward to post-All-Star break? Like, well, what are some some little silver linings, if you have one, of the second half here? Oh, Brad. 
Yeah, first of all, you know, I think there probably are some, and you probably got to look a little deep to find them. But I think the first thing is that these guys are going to get a chance to get away, and that's probably the biggest thing. Like, you know, Braden Shen is into the team as much as anybody, and to see you know, him do the pregame interview the other night with uh, Darren Pang, I believe, and say that uh, he was going to head to the beach, you know, you could just see these guys, I, I feel like they, they need it. You know, there might be some people who disagree and say they haven't been working hard, they don't need the beach, I get it. But, you know, the monotony of every day and what they've been going through, I think they needed some time away. And then big picture, you're a Blues fan, we're that much closer to whatever's going to happen. Like, we've been talking about it for weeks and months, and what's going to happen with this team? Well, guess what? That trade deadline is going to be a lot closer when we get back from this uh, break. So I think that uh, the outcome, everything we've been speculating about, we'll finally get some answers. JR, uh, look at the trade deadline we know is March 3rd. Uh, what? Why would Army wait to the deadline? You know, because, like, you got a, a situation here where they've lost five in a row. They've fallen out quite far back in the playoff race, and they'll be even further back when they get back off of this break because some teams are continuing to play. The Blues have the bye week as well as the All-Star break. But, you know, Army is is sitting here right now where I think we all realize that change is coming. Uh, Why would what would make Army want to wait to the deadline? So I don't think it's a situation where he wants to wait. Like I wrote a couple days ago at The Athletic that uh, why Doug Armstrong may not be making any deals during the break. You know, it's just a situation where technically teams don't usually make those types of moves until you get the day or two or three out before the uh, trading deadline on March 3rd. I think that Horvat trade was a little bit different going from Vancouver to the New York Islanders. You know, those two teams seem to be locked in and, and the way things are going in Vancouver this year, you know, they wanted to make that move with uh, Horvat. Uh, but you look at the Blues situation, and by the way, Doug Armstrong is going to be in Europe for a couple weeks scouting, so, you know, that makes things a little bit more difficult trying to keep in touch with everybody. Uh, but you know, why would he wait uh, throughout this break and, and not pull the trigger sooner? I think it's just a matter of teams being ready and, and you know, other teams are going to have their eyes on other players around the league and they need to wait to find out, are those guys going to be available? Is that a better deal than if I called the Blues about O'Reilly and Tarasenko? So to me, there's just so many things that have to come together. That's why it doesn't seem like it happens until the 24, 48 hours before that deadline. JR, I'm sure by now most of our listeners read your piece about Ryan O'Reilly sitting down with him, the fact that he wants to be able to stay here and uh, are planning on, if not already having, some of those conversations perhaps. So do you see, and I I get it, I understand what he wants, and I understand that from an athlete standpoint, from a family standpoint, you feel good about it. How good do you feel about the chances of Ryan O'Reilly actually being in St. Louis after the deadline? Probably not great. Probably not great. I think it's a situation where at this point, Doug Armstrong's just got to be looking at moving a lot of these guys and hitting this reset, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So I think that with Ryan O'Reilly probably being a big chip, I would think probably a bigger chip than even uh, uh, Tarasenko just because he's a center. And I think that uh, teams are going to be interested in bringing in Ryan O'Reilly that I think that uh, they're going to have to move them. Look, I don't know that they're going to get a first-round pick, a top-tier prospect, things like that, but I think the assets are going to be good enough that at the end of the day, Doug Armstrong's probably going to want to lean towards moving them. But, you know, I'm not trying to ride the fence here. There's always that chance that he looks at the situation and looks at, you know, the leadership and what he thinks that O'Reilly brings to this team, and maybe they sign him for a couple years. So I still think that's probably – small percentage chance but at the end of the day you know obviously ryan o'reilly wants to stay here that's what he said in the article uh, but doug armstrong is going to have control over that because ryan o'reilly doesn't have a no trade clause 
JR, with Vladimir Tarasenko's situation with the no trade clause, uh, we know ultimately, you know, he has the last say. Um, as you're looking around and as you're looking at different teams around the league that either have cap space or would be willing to acquire a Vladimir Tarasenko, any preliminary thoughts on where he might end up? Because I know the Islanders were in the conversation, but then they just jumped in on the Bo Horvat deal, and I can't imagine they'd be dealing for Vladimir Tarasenko for cap space reasons and the fact that they already got their guy. So I'm wondering who else could be a potential dance partner for the Blues that he would say yes to. Yeah, it's interesting too, Jamie, because we were talking about the Islanders the past year or so with Tarasenko and the one player we thought that might be coming back in such a deal was Anthony Bolivier, and, and he's the guy who went to Vancouver in that Bo Horvat deal. So it does look like the Islanders would not be a team anymore that, that we're staring at. Uh, but I think a couple teams, we've mentioned Carolina, but you look at uh, the GM there, Don Waddle, and he said that uh, he said that they – typically don't get into the rental market. They want some guys with term. That's not the situation with Tarasenko, uh, but they've just lost Max Patch ready to the injury, so maybe they change their tune and bring Tarasenko in. Another team, I know this team's been mentioned a few times, but I'll continue to mention them, uh, the New York Rangers. He's got his good friend Panarin there, and I think there's been some uh, link between perhaps the Blues and the New York Rangers. By the way, around the league, you just some scuttlebutt. What are the Blues asking for Vladimir Tarasenko? You know, I've heard a, a variety of different things, but, you know, somewhere in the range of maybe a first and a third, and a lot of people don't know if Blues will get a first-round pick for Vladimir Tarasenko, but that should certainly be the asking price from Doug Armstrong as he heads into the last couple weeks. We're talking to Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, our Blues insider right here at 101 ESPN, and, and Jr. Uh, unless things drastically change in the next month, which, I mean, who knows, right? Sports are crazy. Things can happen. But you're looking at all these deals that, that are potentially happening. You're looking to set yourself up for the future as, as an organization. If I'm a young player, I'm looking at this and say, all right, well, this is like my chance. This is my chance to show out for the rest of the year, and this is my chance to be a part of things next year. So when you're thinking at it, about it from that frame of mind, who are some young guys that you would like to see take advantage of this opportunity who might be under the microscope here? Yeah, so there's some young guys that maybe aren't here yet, whether it be a Zach Bolduc or a Jimmy Snuggerud, who maybe they'll be here in a couple of years and be able to get some ice time based on maybe a transition that the Blues are going through. But right here, immediately, we've talked about these guys, the Jake Neighbors, you would think is going to get some opportunity. He slipped up into the top six a week or so ago and got a chance there. Nikita Alexandrov, this is a guy who – Look, he almost made the team out of training camp, and we didn't see that coming, and I think he's going to get a chance. Tyler Tucker's been sent down, uh, but I think uh, he's a player. Jamie likes him. I like him. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who gets some playing time. And perhaps, you know, do they trade the backup goalie, Thomas Grice, if there's some interest around the league and, and bring up Holfer and give him a shot? I don't know that that'll happen, but it looks like with Holfer signing the one-way deal for the next two years, he'll be the backup next year, so maybe they kind of speed that up. Maybe they don't. Maybe they want him down in Springfield. Uh, but those are three or four of the names that I think could get some more opportunity because of the Blues situation. JR, the Blues could find themselves in a little bit of a log jam here with guys coming off the IR, specifically on the back end. Uh, any update on you know Marco Scandella and Scott Perunovic? And are those guys, are those two players that could be coming off the IR post All-Star break? And if so, I mean, that, that does create quite a traffic jam. Yeah, they could be, and they've been skating for quite a while. I've been talking to Scott Perinovich a bit uh, for a story I'm going to write about him, and he and Scandella have been skating for a while, but I think all along they saw that uh, you had the break, and even the timetable with their injury, Riv, uh, it was going to be after this break. 
I don't know that they'll be ready right after the break, February 11th against Arizona, uh, but I think that uh, within the next week or two, you could probably see them get cleared. I know Scott Prinovich is cleared for partial contact. He's got to get uh, more clearance to be able to come out and, and get bumped uh, in practice. Uh, but he and Scandella, yeah, right around the corner. And then depending on what the health looks like then, there could be some uh, roster gymnastics in terms of the uh, salary cap. He's Jeremy Rutherford, does great work at The Athletic. If you don't have The Athletic by now, Jamie? Shame on you. Shame. Shame on you because you get great content from our guy, JR. You can also follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. JR, we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy your All-Star break. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right, that's Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. We've been talking about the hot stove season. We've been talking about players. Cardinals got a C-plus, by the way, if you didn't uh, hear about their grade. Uh, and if you didn't hear, I'd say even bigger news than that. Jamie was a good student. Turns out yeah. I'd like to see some paperwork just to verify it. Not that I don't trust you, but you always say trust but verify. It's true. Um, so the hot stove season is fun to talk about. Free agents are fun to talk about. What about looking at the trade deadline? Oh, NHL? It's uh, March 3rd. Oh, yeah. What about looking at the baseball trade deadline? Because that's what? what ESPN did. Already? ESPN did an early look at the trade deadline. They picked out players who might be available on every team. Like, who's that dangling trade piece? We'll tell you who it is for the Cardinals. Would you trade him? Would it be a mistake? And what could you get? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. As you know, the biggest question. Got that coming up at 5.30. If you have got a great question for Jamie and I and Marshy, send it in. You can always leave us a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. That app is free. It doesn't cost you anything. If you have not downloaded the app, Jamie. Shame on you. Shame. Because there's so many things you could do. You can get to the podcast, get to stories, get to uh, everything. And the mic drop part of it you can also text your biggest question in to the air comfort service text line 314-399-9646 again that's coming up at 5 30 get your biggest question of the day in it's never too early jamie to think about how how do you improve a team and we had this conversation a little bit earlier as we were talking about the Cardinals offseason. They really added one piece. They bring in Wilson Contreras on a five-year, $87.5 million deal. Can't wait to see what it looks like. His bat is certainly going to play at the position. And you add him to a lineup that already has Goldie and Arnato. I feel pretty good about it. Yes, you need other pieces to emerge, but feels pretty good. And just again, for reference point, it's just the national view instead of the the local view uh, ESPN.com put out a list of what they believe to be the best lineups in baseball had the Cardinals number two behind the Padres. So, I mean, it, it's a very dangerous potentially lineup, but ESPN.com did something and it was called an early look and a way too early look at major league baseball's trade deadline, mm. you know, later 
in the season. Wow, Brad. Yes. Spring training. No, the pitchers and catchers haven't even reported. Exactly. Yet. And now we're trading off pieces right now, six months ahead. If wow. you're not looking forward, okay, if you're not looking ahead, you're not trying. Huh. Now, they did the way that they set this up over at ESPN, they said, uh, what is this team's most likely need? Can you guess what the most likely need for the Cardinals is going to be, in their opinion, at the trade deadline? Uh, top end. Rotation guy. Sure does say a starting pitcher, and chances are, to your point, it's not going to necessarily be uh, middle of the pack. you got a lot of middle, I right? always said outfielder, but... They have a lot of them. But I least. think the, the biggest need is pitcher. Yeah, they have a lot of them. We'll, we'll see. But that's what they said. Now, they went with the biggest trade candidate for the Cardinals, and it's a young guy. It's a young guy with big power. What? Jordan Walker? Not Jordan Walker. It's absolutely not Jordan. Cold, dead hands. Oh, Dylan Carlson. Is Jordan. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wasn't D.C. either. It was Nolan Gorman they put out there as their most likely trade candidate uh, when you're looking at this. So with the thought of Nolan Gorman, and we've gotten into him a couple of different times, and right now, if I'm just making my best lineup, Jamie, as we've you know we've gotten into all these guys, uh, as I'm making we my best, well, you have to. If you don't mm-hmm. dig in, you don't care. So we we've like made our like best lineup. Donovan is your best second baseman right now, and defensively, being as important as it is, that's your best infield is with Donnie over at second, and you've got Tommy Edmond at shortstop. I mean that's that's pretty solid. Now Gorman's gonna have to find a beast. It can come via the DH, and he's certainly gonna play some second base as well. I still believive that he should tinker around in corner outfield. I was gonna too. ask you that. Do you think he gets outfield in spring I don't know training? If he does. Like I know that there are so many different moving parts that they're they they've got a lot of outfielders. They just don't have any definitive answers as we've talked before. But the guy hits twenty five ding dong Johnsons. You gotta find a spot. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if he goes out there and he's like a bat that is really just just hitting the ball well, but Donovan's swinging it really well, and you know he provides you more defensively, and there's still some questions in the outfield. He's a good enough athlete to play a corner. Like, I would put him there. But I don't love the idea of trading Nolan Gorman, who has that left-handed pop, when you really don't have a lot of that within the organization. Like, that, that is a piece that you're going to need. Does he have holes in his swing? Absolutely, he does. And we'll see what adjustments he ended up making this summer. Is he able to get to that pitch, that belt-high fastball? He, he did not hit the fastball well. You throw him a cripple count breaking ball, and uh, you try to throw one in there for a strike, he's going to put it in or over a bullpen. But if you have a good, firm fastball that you can throw up in the zone, he's going to swing through it, and he, he just can't sniff it. So hopefully we see him make some swing adjustments. But I don't know if I love the idea of trading Gorman. Would you be worried about trading a young prospect in Nolan Gorman? Um, I guess for me it would depend on what the return is. You know, if, if I'm getting a true top end of the rotation guy, like a number one starter, and – and my team, by the way, is showing signs of being a contender. So if I'm looking at the Cardinals, not not talking about winning the Central. I'm talking about, like, you're running away with the Central. Uh, Tyler O'Neill has had a pretty good bounce-back season. Dylan Carlson's doing pretty well. Lars has met expectations. Everybody's kind of going. And you're sitting here with a guy, Nolan Gorman, who can go and fetch you that one piece that really kind of sets you into a – into a spot where you can make some noise, I'm talking like World Series, then yes, 
I'm, I'm. Then you do it, right? I'm you bring in the one. So, uh, I was looking through this list, and they didn't have this guy as a a like most likely trade candidate, but they did bring up his name with the uh, Cleveland Guardians, which is still interesting to say. I mess up the Guardians thing every once in a while. But Shane Bieber is a guy. I don't see them moving Shane Bieber right now. They're still well-positioned in the division. They should be looked at as a favorite. But if for some reason things fall apart for the Guardians, that's the type of guy who has another year of control that I would be okay parting ways with something high-end like Gorman. Like, that would be okay. Another name that interests me, and this doesn't have to have anything to do with Gorman. It could be a a different type of deal. But again, it was at this piece over at ESPN of most likely trade candidates for different teams. This guy has been an ace in the past. He had a bad year last year, but I still believe in the guy, and he's kind of revamped things uh, as far as his mechanic goes. He's shortened up his arm arc. A lot of things have changed for him, and the velo dropped a tick. Are you interested potentially in Lucas Giolito at the trade deadline? Now, remember, Lucas and Jack, teammates in high school. Max Fried was on that team, too. Really good team. You bring in the Harvard-Westlake product at the trade deadline. Maybe he's having that good year, but the White Sox suck. You know, that could happen. I'm interested in Lucas Giolito. With the asking price being Gorman? No, I'm I'm taking Gorman just out of the conversation. Just just the player. Just acquire him? Yeah, of course I'm interested. Now, you got to give to get. But Giolito would be a rental anyhow. He is a a free agent after this season. I found his name interesting because uh, while the Cardinals might be in need of a starting pitcher, as we've talked about all offseason long, like they don't need a warm body. They've got tons of bodies. You look at the depth yeah. that they've got. You've got Thompson. You've got Palante. You've got Woodford. You've got Dakota Hudson. You've got uh, potentially Gordon Graceffo, who might be a piece of your rotation in years to come. You've got Matthew Libertor. Like, there are a lot of depth pieces. You've been ridiculously high on Drew Verhagen. They've got Drew Verhagen. Like, they've uh, got... Yeah. Sure have been. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, and I get it, dude. Beat the drum. You should. Oh, yeah. Because his hip is healthy. He's going to be ready to to contribute to this ball club and i appreciate you bringing that up over and over again but uh sure have they 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 need somebody that could be high end i believe lucas giolito could still be that guy it's interesting right are you going to acquire i guess here's where my my thought process goes now is are you going to acquire guys that you hope could be helpful. Like if I'm, you'd have com- to see it during the year because we're, we're talking about I mean, trade. I know, we're deadline. fast forwarding through yeah. half the it's season. It's fun here to already. do that, isn't it? Yeah. And remember, real quick, while we did fast forward right now, the Cardinals do have a 15 game lead at the trade deadline. Okay, it was fun to do that. We get to make our own narrative. Well, yeah, I, I guess you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Like, so to your oh, point, yeah. not just acquiring a guy to acquire. Fingers a guy, crossed. Let's hope. Yeah, no, I you can't if, afford to do that. If I'm the Cardinals and I'm and I've got a 15 game lead going into the trade deadline, I'm not just acquiring a guy that still, I hope, when he puts the birds on the bat on on his chest, that he's going to be this version that we haven't seen in a while. I, I want to make sure I'm getting certainty with what I'm acquiring, especially if I'm going to have to part with a good young player that has pop like Gorman. Uh, You better know exactly what you're getting. It should be a guarantee of what you're getting. We got a mic drop and uh, I don't like to remind you of this, but it's always available. Don't have to uh, don't have to ask you about it. And Robert remembered that the fact the mic drop was open. Here's what he had to say about the trade deadline. So let's be real. Mo is going to walk in, 
hour left in the trade deadline. He's going to rip off that beautiful dress shirt of his to reveal the tattoo of some big name coming in. <laughs> we're selling the farm. We're going to win it all. Or, you know, we're going to surprise everybody like we always do with some, you know, under-the-radar pickup that actually has a lot of long-term value, a.k.a. Jordan Montgomery, and all of this is a waste of time. But, hey, good show, guys. Love it. <laughs> so it could go either way. Could go either way. So we got, we got a lot of reaction on this one. I'll get another text, the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Uh, it, it says, uh, BT, shut the F up about Verhagen. He's worthless. <laughs> Go up a little bit further, says you guys are morons. Here's another one. Here comes the Cardinals front office protection from BT. Oh, here's another one from the same guy. Cardinals get an F. Uh, bye, Tom Blank. You, you know, you're a really negative person. Ray, are you out of your mind? I'm not. This person is just mad at everything. I keep scrolling up. There's wow. not like one happy thing going on. What's going on here? No, he's been very angry for a, a long oh, time. Sit on the couch. We'll talk about it. Life's too short to be angry wow. all the time. Hey, oh, then we had a couple of them in all caps too, BT, which means he was yelling. What did he? What did us. he say? What did he say? Uh, you guys are great. Did the Cardinals that? did little to nothing with four exclamation points. Wow, well, that means a lot. All right, well, look, everybody. Was, it's not just aimed at us. Want... That was at eight forty-eight this morning. So okay, take good. that, Randy. So at least it's been happening all day. <laughs> Here's what: I, if we could be the the, uh, we'll take the arrows here. As long as when you go home, you're, like, happy with your family, assuming you have one. Like, if, if you know, we can just hey, – all the frustrations, we'll take those. Bring them on. Again, the 314-399-9646. And uh, uh, BT, shut up. Berhagen is worthless. Uh, Jamie Rivers. <laughs> this is the guy Thompson. that uh, – the same texter that, that started the Ranthony rant. See, I like I, Ranthony. Oh, I yeah. went all the way back. Oh yeah, early oh, January. Really? I did. I found have you, it. Have you heard the Ranthony rant? No. Oh, break that thing out. So coming up next, we, we might hear the Ranthony rant because I, I want to hear that at some point. The OG one? You haven't heard that? No. Oh my goodness. No, I have no idea. But I heard that he's taken on like a new persona. Like he just like clicked over, and then now he's Ranthony. It yeah. was it was incredible. So I appreciate that. I want to hear from that, and then I want to hear what the hell Doug Armstrong's going to do coming up to the trade deadline. Good thing Jamie's here. He'll tell us. That's next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This core has been together a long time. Uh, The majority of this core are from a Stanley Cup championship team, So it's just cyclical. There comes a point in time where you hope that the window isn't going to close, but the reality is it does close. That was TSN's own Darren Dreger. He joined us a little bit earlier in the show. If you missed that entire interview, you know you can always go back and you can download the podcast. It's all there on 101ESPN.com, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Service. Not going to want to miss that. I'm not going to want to miss this magic show that is the trade deadline that Doug Armstrong is going to have to navigate. Jamie, I would think that this is one of the tougher positions that Army has been in in quite some time. And I I don't know the way that you look at it. Do you try to put yourself in his shoes of what he would do? Like, because there's a lot well, yeah, of moving parts here. Of course, I think that's, here. that's part of the water cooler discussions, yes. right? What would you do if you were Doug Armstrong? Um, I'd have traded for Kachuk. Well, I, 
I don't know if he tried to or not. I have no idea. I do know that uh, Matthew Kachuk would have been a great addition. I just signed Petro. To this. I'd have kept her on here. Oh, are we doing forward? <laughs> We're not going backwards. I thought we had a time machine for a second. Okay, going forward. That's my fault. I agree with all your moves, by the way. <laughs> my team's good. <laughs> your team's pretty good. <laughs> now we're over the cap. You're my, way over the my cap. My team is but you're good. good. Your team's real good. Um, no, look at the, the difficult thing I think for Doug Armstrong. Quite honestly, is he? I don't think they anticipated being in this position. And, and you know, sometimes you go into a season, BT. You know, you've been on some of those teams where you're like, okay, yeah, oh, we'd love to make the playoffs, but we're probably not. We're probably not a playoff team. And so we're part of a retool, a rebuild, or reconstruction of a team. But Army, all of us here in St. Louis expected this team to be at the top of the division. Maybe not first place, because I thought everybody thought the Avalanche was going to run away with it. Well, they haven't. They had injuries. They still do have injuries that they're dealing with. But this is a spot for Doug Armstrong where he wasn't thinking he'd be in the spot where he'd have to yeah. liquidate his free agents, his pending UFAs. And when you look at the the crop of UFAs, the two top guys that the Blues have are Tarasenko and O'Reilly, in no particular order, of course. And then, of course, you've got Ivan Barbashev, who's generating quite a bit of interest here recently. But your, your, your gold coin guys that you have are O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And we just had Jeremy Rutherford on from the uh, athletic and you know, just kind of gauging the interest from teams and what what could the Blues get back for a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko? He's got the no trade clause. He's got to agree to go to a team. All that stuff. Um, here's what Jr. said that he's been hearing. I think a couple teams we've mentioned Carolina, but you look at uh, the GM there, Don Waddle, and he said that uh, he said that they typically don't get into the rental market. They want some guys with term. That's not the situation with Tarasenko. Uh, but they've just lost Max Pacioretty to the injury, so maybe they change their tune and bring Tarasenko in. Another team, I know this team's been mentioned a few times, but I'll continue to mention him, uh, the New York Rangers. He's got his good friend Panarin there, and I think there's been some uh, link between perhaps the Blues and the New York Rangers. By the way, around the league, you just some scuttlebutt. What are the Blues asking for Vladimir Tarasenko? You know, I've heard a, a variety of different things, but you know, somewhere in the range of maybe a first and a third, and a lot of people don't know if Blues will get a first-round pick for Vladimir Tarasenko, but that should certainly be the asking price from Doug Armstrong as he heads into the last couple weeks. So I don't disagree, uh, especially with a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko, and based upon his season last year, he had his best offensive output as a St. Louis Blue. It's been a little bit different this year, but so has everybody. But the one thing that I think maybe some people forgot is – the fact that he asked for a trade and then there was some of the health issues. And so if you're thinking a first and a third for Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe that might not be the return. And here's why I say it, because we had Darren Drager on earlier today and when we brought up Vladimir Tarasenko. Here's what he had to say about Vladdy. Let's not lose sight of some of the baggage that Tarasenko carries with him. Look, the ability to put the puck in the net and generate offense is going to trump a lot of things. But we know that he's got a history of injury. So there's a bit of a red flag there, even though, you know, he's, he's getting healthy here. You've got the history of wanting out of St. Louis and not being comfortable with the environment. Well, is that going to drag on into a new situation? You don't know. So there's a level of uncertainty there that I don't think 
is going to apply to Ryan O'Reilly when O'Reilly is back healthy. But I, in saying all that, goal scorers are hard to find, you know, even if it's a rental situation. Okay, so here's what I make of that. One, I don't think it's going to affect Vladdy's trade market this year. I don't. Now, if you're talking about a team that's looking to sign him in the offseason as an unrestricted free agent, I do think the baggage starts to creep in there. If you're if you're trading for Vladdy as a rental right now, you don't care. I don't care what you did before. I don't care. I want you to score goals. Now, that can backfire. Because if you get a guy in there with maybe the wrong attitude, he comes into your group that is a contending group, and all of a sudden... He's over there beaver tailing. Yeah, and he can change the chemistry of the locker room. He can change the chemistry of some of the lines and some of the things. I've been on a team, when I played for the Ottawa Senators, we were first in the Eastern Conference. We were pushing for... We were a Stanley Cup contending team. We made too many moves at the deadline, and it screwed up the, the chemistry, and we got knocked out in the first round. Did you forget to ask whoever came over in these trades how their summer was? Because I feel like if you'd have started with a little bit of background on them, that would have helped build the Maybe. relationship. Maybe. It's possible. But my point is is that bringing in guys can help your locker room, it can hurt your locker room, or it can just have no effect at all. But I do feel like if it's a rental situation for Carolina or the Rangers or whomever that would be interested in Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't think the baggage comes into play uh, as far as their decision to trade for him. If you, would you be more inclined, if you're a team, because everybody's looking ahead, everybody's looking at free agency, you know what your holes are and you know you know roundabout what it's going to cost to fill them. Um, Jamie, do you look at, would you be more inclined to try to make a deal for Vladimir Tarasenko to find out if he's a fit? Instead of trying to just uh, figure it out in free agency, would you like to bring him over first? Yeah, I guess uh, ultimately that's the way it would be uh, a good way to work out for a team. But it costs you an asset. It costs you an asset, maybe two, right? Maybe a first and a third if that's what it is, or a first and a prospect or whatever. Um, So certainly there's teams that would like to do that. uh, But I think for the most part, most teams are right, like thinking in the now and they're ready to you know, get rid of some assets, get up to the salary cap, and try to win the cup. And after that, they figure it out. And if the player isn't a great fit throughout his time with that team, then yeah, when they have that window to discuss things with the player and his agent before he hits free agency, yeah, teams are going to be inclined to want to you know, offer a nice contract extension. But for the most part, they're worried about like in the now in this year's Stanley Cup. Another approach uh, from the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. I don't know where people come up with this stuff. Uh, suck hard for Bedard is uh, another one that you get. You'd have to suck really hard. I'm talking golf ball through a garden hose. Yeah. Like, there's no way mm-hmm. that you're going to suck that hard. No. What are they, about 15 points off of the lowest total? I think the lowest total is like 34. They're sitting at 49. Um, I'd have Somewhere to look. right around. I had just looked a few minutes ago. I'm pretty sure. I mean, sure. it's not impossible. And but there's still the lottery. Here's the thing you have to remember, okay, is, yes, there's the lottery. But here's the thing you have to remember. All the teams that are currently sucking really hard for Bedard, mm-hmm. they're going to suck even harder come trade deadline day. They are, for sure. The Chicago Blackhawks, they're going to get rid of Kane, Taze, Max Domi. They're going to liquidate everything so that they're the worst in the league. The Arizona Coyotes, they're going to continue to be terrible. The Anaheim Ducks, you better believe they're going to move off assets that can help them plummet to the bottom of the draft pool. So if you're the Blues, you're still quite a ways off from being in the running of getting one of those top three or four picks. Dang it. Uh, But, yeah, you never know. 
this is a good draft class, though, so you don't have to necessarily be in the top five picks to get a really good player this year. That's the good thing about it. Yeah, and, and honestly, his name makes for the best pun. Like the soccer for Bedard. Mm-hmm. Like you can get, say, you know, play Silly for Fantilli. I guess that maybe that's Fantilli something. is a great player. So if the Blues were able to fall low enough to get into that second pick, um, which, you know, I, again, I don't think that will happen. And I don't think Doug Armstrong wants that to happen. I don't think Army could stomach losing that bad all the time. I think right now Doug Armstrong is so irritated with the way the Blues are playing. Heck, he's headed over to Europe. He wants to get out of here. (laughs) I I know he's on a scouting trip, but still, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that that's, that's how far they could fall. But it is a strong draft class either way for the entire first round. He's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson, the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're going to hear from you. It's your biggest question of the day. That's next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. Question time in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, BT here with your guy Anthony Stolter. We'll be back next year. Next year. (laughs) (laughs) He's having so much fun at Disney. (laughs) He can't get it off of the teacups. He'll be back next week. We hope. Yeah, I mean, probably. And then Jamie will be gone. He's going to Mexico. A lot of uh, moving parts around here. You may not here. see me. No, yeah, Jamie might. I could see you just buying a place in Mexico yep. and just never to be seen I'm again. I'll be covering the blues from Mexico. <laughs> but we have our biggest question. This one was a text, apparently, from Jake. Marshy, what's our biggest question today? Yeah, so we've been talking about the trade deadline for the Blues. We even mentioned uh, maybe uh, specific trades that could happen with the Cardinals as we approach uh the the trade deadline later in the season but we got a a question from jake that read have you ever seen a trade of a key player uh that that was kind of a wake-up call to some of the guys in the in the dressing room have you guys ever experienced something like that i'm trying to think back uh through the course of my career if there was a, a trade that was made where you're like man like that so I don't remember one that I was a part of a team, but one that really kind of shook things up from a Cardinal standpoint was when they traded for John Lackey. They ended up trading away uh, Joe Kelly and Alan Craig in that deal. And Joe Kelly, as we all know, like Joe Kelly, he's a hell of a competitor, but he's also like a jokester and kind of fun. They brought it, they went the other direction, said this team needs less joke and fun, needs more grit, and brought in Lackey. So it wasn't to like that, that, it's not like you traded away a star and it jump-started things. Yeah, but I yeah. really do think that it kind of shifted things a little bit for the Cardinals that year. Yeah, I'm trying to think, too. Um, man, I'm just kind of drawing a blank. I mean, well, uh, I guess one that really shook things up. Well, several, actually. Now that it, now that my brain is back turned on, Mike Keenan, when he got here, <laughs> son of a batch of biscuits. I forgot about this disaster. Uh, but Mike Keenan, when he got here... You know, he, he didn't he didn't like the construction of the locker room, meaning the players in the locker room. And he it was no secret he wanted to be the biggest name on the team. 
And so he started to get rid of all of the good players. You know, Curtis Joseph got traded. He was like one of the most, you know, beloved guys in the locker room. People loved him. The guys, he was one of the best dudes ever. Then, of course, the Brendan Shanahan trade. Of course, you you acquired Chris Pronger, so you're okay with that. But initially... Initially, it did that, not land well initially. No, it didn't. It didn't land well in the locker room. It didn't land well in the city. I mean, it was very like guys were ticked off because yeah. you could see the writing on the wall that Mike was getting rid of all of the, like the the most popular guys. Old strategy. Cotton. He even tried to get rid of Brett Hull. Of course, the, the, <laughs> he did. He did. And the higher ups said, "Go chase yourself. You've got power, but not that much power." And and so that became a thing. So I guess that was the first, and that was like the introduction for me to the NHL because I was just a young guy at the time, 19 years old, I think. And all of a sudden, all these these legendary blues, in my opinion, were getting traded, just shown the door. How does upper management let that guy he was do upper, that? He was upper management. So here's the mistake. It's Bill Belichick right here's there. Here's the mistake the club made at that time was they gave him the ultimate power. He was head coach and general manager, which wasn't uncommon right. in that era. But nobody checked him at the door. Like, meaning, like, they, whatever he wanted, they did. So much so to where Wayne Gretzky should have retired a St. Louis Blue. And Wayne Gretzky talks about this all the time. And, and I know this for a fact. Like, Mike Keenan got mad at Wayne Gretzky, uh, blamed him for a loss in the playoffs one time, and told the media about it. And Gretz says, that's not why I didn't re-sign with the Blues. He goes, Mike Keenan calling me out to the media, I was okay with. What I wasn't okay with was the moment Mike Keenan called me out in the media, they pulled the contract offer off the table. And he was like, no, if you're that erratic in what's going on, then forget it. I can't be a part of this. So that's the problem is that the president of Hockey Ops or the president of the club at the time took direction from Mike Keenan which is obviously, you know, backwards. And that's the problem that, that they ended up having with Mike Keenan. You know, the best trade he did make was getting Chris Pronger. Of course, he got Wayne Gretzky, too. That was a great trade he made, but then he you know, pissed that one away by being a donkey. <laughs> we got a text from the 314. I was upset when we traded Polanco for Scott Rowland. Okay, I was wrong. It happens. It happens. Sometimes you get upset about a deal, then you realize, man, man that worked out pretty well. I can't help but think uh, BT couldn't come up with a, uh, you know, an example because you know it's too busy winning the World Series. They didn't need to sell. They sell their buyers, man. Well, fortunately, and this is I get it. You, you rail against Cardinals sometime. Want them to do more, go bigger. You know, go get, go crazy. Open DeWallet. I think I've heard that one a couple of times. That's uh, original. Air Comfort Service text line. <laughs> Make sure you get that in. 314-399-9646. I'm sure we'll get something from 618 shortly. Um, but uh, the caps. Cardinals have always, like, uh, for the most part, not always, but are generally right there in the thick of things. So either like standing pat or adding a, a little bit instead of like, all right, I'll kick you guys into gear and there goes one of your best players because he's an impending free agent. Fortunately, they haven't had to do that in recent years. I think the last time... We've seen any of anything like this is the Paul Stasny. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think that was a prime example of trying to shake up the locker room? Well, that wasn't really trying to shake up the locker room. It was trying to get you know assets back for a player that you were going to probably lose via free agency. And you know, Army looked at that year as an opportunity to do that and 
kind of, I guess it shook things up a little bit, but mm. Stasny was an incredible guy. Right. Everybody loved him. So it's not like, oh, you're shaking things up because you're getting rid of Paul Stasny. Maybe the shakeup was that nobody's safe. Maybe that is. Maybe That's that the wake up call. Was. Yeah, I don't know. Could be another situation like that this year. You know, there could be, there, there is definitely going to be guys that are very well liked in that locker room that end up moving to a different team um, because Army, Army can't sit still at this deadline. That's your biggest question of the day. Thank you for our text to the Air Comfort Service text line from Jake. Uh, always a good topic of conversation. we got a few different topics of conversation. We're going to catch you up on what you missed. We're going to get to criticism, compliments, and the text of the day. That's next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We got into all kinds of good stuff today. We talked about the retirement and ultimately the eulogy of uh, Tom Brady. His career. The goat. His career. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to make sure that, you know. Right. Right. What? I missed that too? Laid it to rest. Boy, (laughs) you know, things go downhill quick. Uh, But Tom Brady ended up retiring today. We got into that. We talked about uh, various Cardinal things. Who's going to chase down the Cardinals? We had great interviews. Uh, Darren Drager uh, joined us. Break it down. Hot stove. What's Doug Armstrong going to do? Jesse Rogers of ESPN.com. We had our guy, Jeremy Rutherford. You can catch all of that action. You can download the podcast at 101ESPN.com. Everything brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Now, did we have any criticisms? Did we have any compliments? And I believe that we have a text of the day, Marshy. We do. We do. We'll start with the uh, criticisms and compliments uh, from the 314. What we missed. We missed Brad is what we missed. Come back full time, BT. Kids are brats. Trust me, I have three of them. And family time is highly overrated. Family time is overrated. <laughs> Look, it uh, maybe. At times, at times. But I'm here today, tomorrow, the next day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week also. So I'm having fun uh, jumping back into the week? flow. Monday? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, next week? Yes. So same as this week? Yep. All right. I am in. Brad, you just alluded to the arms of an angel. And we got a couple texts about that from the 636. One thing you can always count on when Brad is when Brad is in, is comedy. Arms of the Angels for Brady was historically classic. That is from FedEx Brian. Got to tell you, FedEx Brian didn't know that was coming uh, and tried to generally, actually pretty much every time. I feel like if we tried to script an Arm of the Angels one, it's not going to work BT, we did do that one time, and I remember it, and I thought your performance was great, regardless. Who was it? Who did we kill? I don't remember. I wish I could remember. But you were not happy. You were like, these are way better when (laughs) I just just fire off the music. And And see what comes out. Meat was our board up slash producer back then uh, at the time. And so when I told Marshy today, I said, Marshy, somewhere in there, just pick a spot. I had a trigger word I was waiting for. You and said the word sad. I go, boom. Boom. I said, you just <laughs> drop that thing like it's hot. And I go, just back away and let Brad go. Sarah McLaughlin came in. So if you want to hear my eulogy of Tom Brady's career again, that's on the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Uh, another one about the eulogy uh, from the 636. Thanks, BT. You made me laugh so hard I peed. I still have four hours of work 
Love you guys. Arms of angel. Little things. Little <laughs> things make me happy. You pee in your pants, that's one of them right there. I like that. your pants is cool. It is. <laughs> Call me Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I have a situation. I need you to... Oh, boy. To, uh, you have the situation? Yeah, it's with the text of the day. I have two candidates for text of the day, and I need you two to decide which one. Oh, we can do that. Yeah. Is so what if we both pick a different one? And we have tie? then Marshy picks wow. the, you're the tiebreaker. All right, I'll be the tiebreaker uh, for the text of the day. Okay. The Air Comfort Service text of the day. All right, earlier we were talking about giving grades to the Cardinals. Jamie, we started talking about, you know, you're you in, in, in class and doing Canadian, you know, schooling and whatnot. It's a little different, right? It's a little bit different. We had a text from the 480. Canadian history class must be like a week and a half long. Wow. Canada's got rich history for that matter. That hurts a little it bit. It does. It hurts a lot, actually. That's the front runner so huh. far, though. Well, <laughs> what the hell? It's the first one. Let's Jamie's hear the next one. true. I like this one, too. From the 618, or I'm sorry, from the 314. 618? Or like 618, am I right? <laughs> yeah, if you missed that earlier, uh, we have uh, Brad in particular. Uh, in fact, the entire station has a very big fan uh, from the 618. Passionate listener, code. we can say that much. Yeah, um, and uh, has done nothing but send oh, hate texts to the station all day long. And unlike anything we have to say. Speaking of which, that same texter led to this, Brad. Uh, I just got a tweet. Oh, and yeah. when the Cardinals lose in the first round, will you apologize for Mazalak or actually hold them accountable? I don't know. I get this, I get this tweet from the same guy all the time. <laughs> How the... I almost cursed. This guy literally <laughs> almost made me curse. <laughs> How the hell do I do I hold Mo accountable? Do you do you really think that the Cardinals ownership is sitting there and saying, "Well, you know that idiot Anthony Stalter, he he don't like Mo. Let's get rid of him." You know that guy on the radio who does the four-hour show there on ESPN. Yeah, he was saying that uh, Mo Mo should go. What is wrong with you? Do you, th- do you think I have that much power? Even if I were to sit here hour after hour after hour and say, Mo does a terrible job. Do you really think that the witch are like, well, look, look, Anthony Stalter said that. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire Mo. I never thought about it. <laughs> do you think I have that much power? You better hold him accountable. What does that mean? <laughs> Will you actually hold Mo accountable? (laughs) I can only give you my opinion, which I do all the time. But you wait. You wait by your radio or your cell phone every day. If Anthony doesn't say the Cardinals should fire Mo, I'm going to tweet him again. (laughs) I am going to write a letter. (laughs) Could you imagine, guys, could you imagine? DeWitt in his office or on his private jet thinking to himself, damn it, if Anthony Stalter holds Mo accountable, he's gone. <laughs> Come on. That's fantastic. That's the first I've heard. Oh, and Brad, it was real. Oh like the hands gosh. were flying around. I love it. And he had the hand on the mic and he was like moving around. He was like, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know what? Good text. 
elicit a response. Oh. And that's what happened, and that's where Ranthony was born. That was Ranthony. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Mars, Brad Thompson. Again, you can download everything on the podcast that you missed today. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Coming up next, we got the Redbird Report. Yeah. First podcast of 2023, breaking down all things that are Cardinals. You'll hear that. We got some college hoops coming up. Marquette Villanova pregame at 7:15. Until tomorrow, we'll see you again at two o'clock. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. BT, it's the Fast Lane. We'll see you at two. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.